Greetings and aloha. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. Really excited to deliver this episode. This one has been a long time coming and it features none other than Michael Tessarian. This will be the fourth time that Michael Tessarian will have graced this podcast and uh, definitely not a moment too soon when it comes to the COVID-19 world shutdown scenario that all of us are navigating right now, just trying to make our way through the uncertainty, feel our way through the rough edges, through the shadows of what may be going on in our world, what appears to be going on, and what can all of us do about it? How do we empower ourselves? How do we transform ourselves? How do we adopt the right attitude and the right perspective to literally take this time and make the most of this time and leverage this opportunity to actually transform through it, to come out better than we were before we started this whole this whole thing, whatever you want to call this thing. Let's just call this the holy charade. That's what I've been dubbing it lately. We go deeper into all of that. Really excited to share this episode. Before we get into this, I want to share my sponsor. The official sponsor right now for this podcast is a company called Now Alchemy. Now Alchemy is a superfood, tonic herbal, nutraceutical, alchemical supplement company, if that's not a mouthful. Basically, Now Alchemy is one of the most incredible alchemical nutraceutical supplement companies that infuses plant-based superfoods, tonic herbs, medicinal mushrooms, and also high-grade, high-spin monoatomic elements that we call Ormus elements or M-state elements. Um, That's a whole subject in of itself. Uh, I've talked about it here and there in different podcasts. I've definitely gone deeper into my book, The Inner Alchemy Youthening Program. This company is owned by a dear brother of mine. His name is Archer Love. You can follow him on Instagram. And I'd really encourage you to go to their website, nowalchemy.com. Check out all the incredible products that they have. I have literally watched this company grow from eight years ago from the bottom up, literally from the very beginnings all the way into becoming a very popular uh, organic, natural, nutraceutical uh, supplement company. And it's been quite amazing to follow Archer's journey. Again, he's a very close brother of mine. He is also someone that has a background in biochemical, um, not engineering, but just biology, really, and the, the biological synthesis and using combinations of plant-based compounds, fusing them together to make incredible alchemical products that uh, Now Alchemy does. Some of my favorite products that Now Alchemy has is a product called B-Magic, a product called C60. If you haven't heard about C60, it is gaining, it's gaining a lot of traction right now on the internet, and it is a detoxification compound, the C60 carbon chain molecule, the the um, the activated charcoal carbon molecule C60 
It's used for detoxification. They've used it in rat studies in what appears to be, according to my knowledge, the longest standing longevity study using a rat model. Um, very incredible product, incredible compound. Other products that I really love are the Atlantis product for cardiovascular health, for eye health, neurological health. That is the algae-based omega-3 product with the EPA, the DHA, um, astaxanthin as a carrier and antioxidant. The Atlantis product is really great. Um, a few others that I really love. Well, I love all their Ormus products. Every product has Ormus infused in it. Um, they literally have so many incredible products. It would be hard for me to just give a shout out to everything. But again, some of the products I really love are the Atlantis, the B Magic, the C60. Their Shilajit products are absolutely incredible. And then probably my favorite product is the Immortal. And the Immortal is an immune system support supplement which uses medicinal mushrooms. These are the noble mushrooms, the sacred mushrooms that come out of herbal lineages like Chinese herbal herbalism, for example, using things like reishi mushroom, shaga mushroom, and a host of other medicinal mushrooms and other tonic herbs that are used to create an invincible immune system. That is a topic that I could talk about at another time and another place, but just know if you're looking for immune support, the Immortal is an incredible product. In fact, all of these products are incredible. It just depends on what exactly you're going for. So I really recommend going to nowalchemy.com. Use my coupon code HUMANPOTENTIAL. You're going to get a little discount on your order. And if you go to Instagram and you look up Archer Love, send him a direct message follow him send him a direct message tell him you heard about his company on the ronnie landis podcast show i'm sure he would hook you up as well all right everyone we're moving into this episode with Michael Tessarian. Uh, Michael is uh, someone that I look up to and I have an enormous amount of respect for him. We have gotten to know each other over the last year and a half. Like I said, we've done four podcasts together on this, this uh, podcast and I've been a guest on his show, The Unslaved Show. We did a two-hour interview about a year ago. And that was amazing. So you can look that up on my YouTube channel. I have the whole the whole uh, recording there. But anyways, we, we just went really deep. And I'm not even going to try to explain the nooks and crannies we went into. This was a two-hour recording. So I'm going to just uh, I'm going to just let you in, just kind of give you access and let you in on it. I would love to tell you more about it, but I'd rather you just uh, immerse yourself fully into the conversation. And again, this is a conversation that could not have come a minute sooner, a minute too soon. Uh, just really, really phenomenal. And I think it's going to elevate your mindset and even your heart set to another level and help you prepare for what is on the other end of this whole situation that we're in and how to thrive through crisis and uncertainty. Enjoy this episode with Michael Tessarian. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. Welcome to this. Uh, we got an episode here ready for all of you. 
whether you're listening to our live Facebook stream that is happening right now, or you are listening on the podcast or YouTube, I have been away from doing live interviews for quite some time, been doing a lot of solo episodes, um, and have had a lot of interesting topics that have been rolling out, been having a lot of fun with that. And given current events going on in our world that all of us are well aware of, I decided it was time to bring back on some really important minds, really important perspectives, and bring some really important ideas back into the fold and uh, start this interview series back up with some of the most brilliant minds that I have access to and that I've also interviewed multiple times. And today's episode is with Michael Tessarian. And if you recall, I've done about three interviews with Michael. Um, there's only a handful of other people that I've done three interviews with before. Um, and we, we've just, we've dove in down so many different corridors of consciousness, so many different ideas, thoughts, and topics. And so I really thought, I really thought to myself, you know, what do people really need right now? And I felt that people really need, well, they need a handful of things. One thing is they need centeredness. They need groundedness. They need practicality and they need solutions. And in order to understand what solutions we need, we actually have to understand what are the actual problems? Because when I go on social media and I look at the, the news broadcasting projection making machines, if you will, I look at all the different sources of information that's being broadcasted. I look at all the different people on social media that everybody has a voice and everybody's saying something about something, putting all these different articles out there, whether that be 5G or mandated vaccines or what we might call fear porn, which is basically become, you know, there's so much just stuff coming out. And I realized that we need to actually get underneath this thing. You know, whether it's the coronavirus, whatever that is, whatever the reality behind that is, it's the political scenario, you know, because if you go on, on YouTube, like I've been going on to, it, you're seeing this big, huge sideshow almost of just all these voices and opinions and perspectives being flung out there. And it's very easy to get confused. It's very easy to get knocked off center. And I would, I would say, and I don't think you would probably disagree with this, Michael, that is part of the purpose is to knock people off center, right? To keep, us, to keep us kind of unstable, right? So we can't quite get our thoughts together. We can't, can't quite get ourselves together long enough to actually you know, make something useful happen. So anyways, with all that said, um, without further ado, Michael, thank you so much for joining me. And I'm excited to dive into a number of things with you. Great, Ronnie. I agree. I agree with love of your work that you're doing and the fact that uh, we always have interesting conversations. You know, as you see, I don't do anything anymore. Like I said, with people I totally trust and uh, I know are up to speed on the very things that you've said, you know, and, and you're right. The world has always been three. You know, see, the things, things that we are experiencing right now are uh, fear, fear oriented. You know, as long as we always realize that um, it's nothing new. It's just a, maybe a little bit more ramped up. But basically, there's always been a kind of a condition of fear porn and, uh, you know, the frighteners and by people who know that basically we're three meals away from revolution and who know how to uh, exploit that. Remember, half the world is still in almost abject poverty. You know, another huge chunk of it is in semi-poverty, you know what I mean? So, 
you know, they're already experimenting all around the world. And yeah, when something like this comes into our little Western bubble, it can be shocking because we forget how to crack a coconut, you know, how to live on some boiled leaves and tea, you know, and, and I'm glad for it in many ways, you know, because we do need, you know, we do need this interruption, you know, because we get too decadent, we get too cushy, and we forget, you know, the big screen TV rules all, you know, and, and now, now there's a sense of, I would say in well-meaning people, there's a, you know, back to ground zero, get grounded, get back, you know, into the home environment in a more of a warm, empathic way, you know, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. set your focus again, you know, sort of um, get your priorities straight. Maybe even, you know, like I keep on suggesting DIY around the home, but I do that uh, with a reason because in, in the simple fact of doing that, you know, a whole new career for some people may open up, mm. you know, where they might even change their whole uh, view of being self-sufficient and self-employed, you know, hot turn about. And maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's, that's going to be a, a silver lining in a person's life down the line, as opposed to be imagining that you're going to still keep climbing through the corporate ceiling and the effort and the price you pay for doing that, mm. you know, and mm-hmm. uh, perhaps even the conscience. So you may say, maybe you even do do it. Yeah. But what's the price on your conscience for that? parking space in that cubicle and that CEO, you know, designation, think of what is happening to your private life, your domestic life and, and your conscience, you know, maybe the time has come to really revalue all of this. So, okay, there's a fiasco happening in society. To me, there's always a fiasco going on and it has the mm-hmm. psychological ramifications you're definitely talking about. Uh, you know, uh, I've, I've, I have advocated that even, you know, while I've been back of the line, you know, uh, falling on deaf ears, not, not to you, of course, you know, but to the vast majority of people, my message within this alternative movement has been exactly what you just said. So I'm, I'm absolutely vindicated, you know, not that I needed it, but you know, at the same time, you know, I'll take the laurels, you know, because I've been mentioning this time and time and time, you know, bringing up the psychology of it. And now hopefully people can at least, you know, give me that nod and say, you know, Hey, Michael, you were on the button there because yeah, now that I'm thrust into, you know, uh, this uh, uh, sort of uh, lockdown situation, I see that a lot of what you've been saying went, went through one of my ears and out the other. And I've been having emails like that. So that's, that's favorable, you know. Mm. But in general, yeah, get back to doing the home fixtures. Even if, even if you're still working online, then organize those files. Read those books you kept on saying that you wanted to get the chance to read. Now's your chance. Mm-hmm. People have bookmarked websites probably for years like I have, n- n- not gone back. And really, or, you know, they have bookmarked hour long podcasts that they haven't listened to, you know, on the Gnostics or you know, on, on Manly Palmer Hall on, on my stuff, you know, mm. Hey, there's your chance. So yeah. nothing's really that changed for me. In fact, in many ways, it might even be, you know, a, a benefit. And then as I've spoken on other shows in a different context, you know, it, it, there are moments in history when what government does isn't always a conspiracy. I know it's hard for people who've been studying assiduously and that that's their tunnel vision and I'm one of them, but you know, that does not, uh, that does not change the fact that there are times when a greater threat musters on the horizon and suddenly there's a different movement and you have to be aware and open to that. Just like you implied earlier, Hey, this could even be a, you know, a legitimate epidemic, you know, like that we had during the second, you know, after the, was it the First World War, you know, with the Spanish flu? You know, there are times when this can actually happen. And so temper your paranoia, so to speak. And I mean mm. that in mostly a good way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah, you know, yeah. 
with the fact that, look, this could indeed happen. Millions of people get together. And where millions and millions of people gather, which we call cities and societies, there can be epidemics, some severe, some not severe. Mm. You know, and then don't lose sight of the speculative idea that there's collateral damage that the government, especially the left, you know, mm -hmm. letting out mm -hmm. masses yeah, yeah. of prisoners, bringing yeah. up, as yeah. you say, a very dangerous ploy of the mandatory vaccinations. One always has to be aware of that and also be aware of how to fight it. Mm -hmm. So, see, I've, I've maintained from day one that, see, when dark time comes, when even darkness is in your life psychologically or when it's socially, to me, it's one and the same, that strengthens your immune system. That strengthens your sovereignty. So bring it on. Our world has had Spanish flu, world wars. Our ancestors knew infinitely worse times than we know now. So if you just suddenly lose the rag and don't want to throw yourself out of a window because of this shit, <clears throat> yeah, well, yeah, maybe yeah, you yeah. need to go ahead and do, go ahead. Yeah. Because, you, you know, what are you made of? See, okay, you, you're bringing up some very key points here. And, and one of the things that just came across more more kind of energetically from listening to you is your cadence around the whole situation tells me that you're not particularly worried about a massive conspiracy or 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 what most people are are so in other words i i brought up in the beginning of this you know there's all these articles right there's all you know if you go on social media it's it, there's a massive amount of things around 5g right and that is a reality nobody's nobody's saying that isn't that is we've been talking about that for a while right but now it's like it's supposedly being rolled out there's all these articles if you go to the articles, some of them are outdated. Some of them are happening now. It's, it's kind of a mishmash. The same thing with the mandated vaccines and, and whatever else, whatever. There's so many different examples. My perspective, and you just said something really interesting. I just want to reiterate for everybody's nervous system, basically, just to calm the system a little bit, is, first of all, we don't really know right we the, the information that we're getting is so downstream from what's actually happening behind the scenes what's actually happening we actually have to be a little more humble right we actually have to be practice a little more um whatever the word is temper temperance i think you mentioned that right like mm -hmm. tempering mm -hmm. with all this information that's coming out and who on social media among our friends or or, or associates or people that are throwing this information how much are they really in the know or, or is this just fragmented information that's being flung out there? And is there a purpose behind it to disorient our, 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 um, our energy field or just our, our mind, let's say, our ability to critically think in other words? <laughs> you, you nailed it, man. Yeah, because all of that is true. Mm -hmm. you know? And what I like to do is just go back to fundamentals uh, to say that society is already an agent of disorientation. The will of the masses is already discombobulated you till you don't know if you're coming or going. The will of other people you may even live with. It's more benign, but at the same time, it's still a will imposing your own. So, you know, there's so many things to get into there. And you're quite right. Yeah. I salvage some of it because I do know there are people I trust expert-wise who've done a bit more research, you know, a lot more than I have. And yeah, the preponderance of trust is on them because they're, they're academics. This, you know, this or that guy was a professor. This guy, uh, that guy is a top MD. He's worked in the hotspots of the world, in Africa, in Italy. Yeah, I'm going to believe, you know, oh, they've already written on it. So it's not just something they're catering to this moment. Yeah. And I'm right, there, I'm right a, there with you on that. Yeah. That, and that, I go, listen, I I'm going to listen to that. That's a good point. I just, you know I don't want to cut, yeah, I don't want to cut you up. I just want to, I just want to emphasize one quick thing. 
what you just said, we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And even what I just said, I'm not trying to make it black or white. There's important information that's coming, but we have to suss out the source of the information, the date on these articles. I noticed, I, I just noticed when you go and you see all these different articles, it triggers that, um, that, that limbic system, right? Just by seeing the suggestive message that's on the article versus like, oh, wait a minute, that was like two years ago. Wait, that has nothing to do with right now, but it triggers that, that, that fight, flight, or freeze kind of response. So I, I just wanted to emphasize that there, there are actual credible scientists and um, professionals that are not in the, the, the consensus media that are, do, that are out there in the, the, the front lines but are not getting the spotlight that maybe we should listen to. But then there's a lot of weird information out there that maybe is not useful. That's all I wanted to mention. I didn't want to cut you off. Oh, no, no, you're quite right. You're quite right. And uh, remember, oh, yeah, and that thing about uh, hermeneutics, you know, and exegesis, actually looking at the text, looking at what is headlined, look at a subhead and read it with a critical, that is, that is almost 75% your salvation. Looking at dates, looking at chronology, looking at the status of the person, their history. And then don't forget also, look back at the, I don't know if people remember, during the AIDS crisis, when you had whistleblowers like Dr. Robert Strecker, who actually had worked on producing AIDS, and could come out in, in, in one hour, like tell you the whole history of it, saving you the lifetime of study and getting caught up in the whirlwind of all the secondary sources, well-meaning as they may be. Hone in on the, on the man. Here, we actually got the man you know, who, who actually did whistleblow. And you will always find those characters. They're coming out now, you know, and, and then look at other people who've made that a speciality. There's certain people who, you know, you see, it's easy for me because I've bookmarked and I, re, I go, even in times of non, you know, hotspots, I'm constantly revisiting those scholars that I know to trust on, well, you know, whatever it may be, it, almost a, a obscure stuff. But there's also people you know, of a school that have been tracking something for years, like satanic symbolism or whatever it may be. I am already, I'm visiting them repeatedly. So I know exactly where to go. It's like a blindfold, you know, with a, with a phone book. So when I need a port of call, I know who to go to. Not that I'm endorsing them all and saying they're all one to 100% perfect, like, you know, some Yoda. No, no, no. They, I may disagree with a great deal of what other things that these people are into. But at least I know that in a, in a, in a, in a state of, uh, you know, when I need to know what road I need to go on, I don't care about the rest of the map and what it says. I'm just looking at just, you know, how do I get to the A4 from here to there? And usually that's what most of us are doing here. You don't need to take on a gigantic, you know, corpus. You don't need to get bent out of shape. You, you go step by step. You go systematically. You know, you don't gorge. You know, there's, there's no reason for obesity in terms of knowledge. You, you do like Sherlock Holmes does, you know, you, you give yourself the time. And also maybe, you know, this whole thing about uh, time management, something we can touch on because it's another feature of what's happening today. And I think why it's throwing people for a loop, but just to stick with what we're saying, it's vitally important that when it comes to sacred knowledge, which is what I think this is, including the political aspect of it, you must allot yourself the space and the time. You must work completely different than you, as you do, you know, when you're uh, in traffic heading to the cubicle and working with everybody else. Those are needed because that's functional. This, in, this, this information is functional to a degree, but it's infinitely more than that. And therefore, there's resistance in the mind. Part of our mind right, knows that there's spiritual implications to these kinds of things that happen, so it throws a lot of dust in your eyes. It throws a lot of a, 
you know, uh, 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 sticks in the spokes, hoping that you'll give up because it knows that what I've been saying since the beginning of my career, this is a spiritual process. Yet, don't you think your own mind knows that, the social mind? It doesn't want you even opening up these doors. It doesn't want you researching it. So when a panic happens, well, then there's all of these different, you know, fallback positions and, and closing off and feeling fatalistic. I'm looking at all of that. I'm looking at the men who built the West are now crumbling and crying and having panic attacks. Right. Something's wrong right. with that. Right. Stand the fuck up. It doesn't matter what's coming at you. Right. Right. Brave it out heroically. Mm. You know, things like that. These are the, these yeah. are the true fallback positions. And then as part of that, mm-hmm. educate yourself. You know, one would have to do it if, if they lost everything and needed to learn how to put up a fish net to survive. You know, so you're always in a state of survival. Survival never goes away, no matter how many perks and refrigerators and big screen TVs that society throws at you. You are always three meals away from revolution and from meltdown. Mm-hmm. This is a perfect time to remind people of that, of that dictum so that they never forget. Don't all the cushions and all the, you know, the cotton wool that's thrown at you to make you think you're in some, you know, Apollonian utopia. No, this is a nice knock on the nut. This is a real nice example of, yeah, you could be out there on all fours, mate, with a sheep. Yeah, the, this is, that's a brilliant, brilliant perspective that you're bringing up. Essentially, what I'm hearing you talk about is the value of stress testing your reality and seeing where the weak links in your structure are and also breaking down the false sense of security, right? Because that, that's our society, isn't it? That's the entire uh, deck of cards that every institution, whether it's the, the financial economic system, it's the agricultural system, it's the, um, you know, the medical system, the governmental, political, religious, the, the military systems, all of these things, and I'm, I'm talking somewhat figuratively because these are real structures, obviously, but when we say the economic system and the food system in particular, the medical system, these are the things that are experiencing the most stress, right, realistically. And these are the things, particularly the economic system, that have been on a house of cards that is like, is like all just falling apart within the overwhelm of the current situation whatever the real situation is, right? There's a lot of different perspectives. We can go into that. But ultimately, what I'm hearing you talk about is translating the, 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 the macro, the bigger, the bigger situation, kind of the, the wider global situation to the micro, which is our own life. How are we responding to the perceived pandemic, the perceived crisis outside of us, and how is that affecting the internal structure of our own life because it's only through the stress test that we actually see what can actually withstand and that's where our cognitive biases and our our mental disassociations start to uh, you know either where our head is in the sand like no I don't I don't want to see it nope nope sorry can't look at that and that's going to break down through the pressure of reality cracking down on the illusions that we might have set up through false security Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. And that's a really great way of putting it actually, because, uh, and people just being unconscious of that fact, see the, the city life, the urban life is completely artificial. You have to dig down way down deep into its structure to find anything really authentic. Cause it actually does. If you go really, really deep, right. It's the midwell coming out of the, the umwell. There's, there's philosophical precedents for the growth, growth of any society to our level of sophistication, but that's the, infrastructure that's way down hundreds of feet 
The rest of it is just a mess, right? And it's built, you know, all this nonsense about pluralism and multiculturalism and all the things that they've done, right? Uh, even your, your concepts of republic, you know, because of one of the structures you're speaking about is government, is the whole state apparatus. Well, that's meant to be based in America, at least on republic. And that's meant to be based on the guarantee of the Constitution and Bill of Rights. Right. If I look at those documents with you for five minutes, we'll see nothing but holes. Right? Not that I'm saying it was ever meant to be perfect. I'm just stating the phenomenological fact that thing is full of holes, and yet the whole state is based on it. And if, if it was a democracy, that would be full of holes, and a, a logical person can see holes in it within five minutes. And we all know this. So there you find what you're talking about that we know actually very little about the nature of imperfection, right? Because Hegel was wrong, don't you know? He was a proto-fascist and all the rest of it. So we don't know dick about evil or about imperfection. Because if we did founding fathers and parchment idolatry besides, we'd have had some real serious corrections, you see, from the start. But what we've done is we've deified these leaders because we de and why do we deify? Well, it's back to that whole idea of needing the totemic father. And so wherever that totemic father appears, even in his bullet holes and imperfections, we choose not to see them. And we say, no, Allah is what it's all about, right? And Yahweh and all the rest of it, right? And, and we get into lockstep behind the shadow of that all father. And it's the same thing with parchment idolatry. It's the same thing with economics. It's the same with John Dewey and his perfect educational system. It's the same thing with the, the, the AMA. And the, and the founding you know, of that, FD, uh, you know what I'm talking about, the FDA and the whole pharmaceutical bullshit, yeah, right? The it's the same in religion. It's Jesus, mm -hmm. right? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's already imperfection at the very base of, of all the constituents, right? You know, it's like a Nordic mythology. They talk about a little uh, snake uh, or whatever that's gnawing away at the very roots of the tree, Yggdrasil, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is. Mm -hmm. They're right. The thing was built out of the most perfect idealism of whoever, right? Mm. And then a, a Keats comes, a de Tocqueville comes, and they go, yeah, <laughs> nice in theory, folks, yep. but lots of trouble, right? Because the yep. thing had all the perfect mental equations, but in practical, you know, in the practical construction, huge, huge metal fatigue because we don't know enough about imperfection because our entire rationalist system from the time of Descartes and before has been completely erroneous when it comes to man and his relationship, not only with nature, the cosmos, but his own body. Mm. And so my work is primarily that. Yeah, I dabble with other things, you know, that's important, but in my actual work, the, where the great effort is gone, where the real walking over, you know, cut glass has been, is to try and enter into this territory and pull teeth, you know, getting people to realize these fundamental mm. mm -hmm. issues when it comes to what you actually know about the nature of time, the nature of your body. Are you listening to it? Right? Yeah. Have you got the silence that's even required to listen to? Well, no, you don't, because that's one of the urban society's foibles. It will never give you the space. It will never give you the time. It will never allow you the aloneness. And even if it sees you trying to enter into it for five minutes by picking up a, a, you know, a little book on a spinner rack, you will then find your life melting down, even if you tested it. <laughs> even if you have a test for yourself, watch the shit and chaos that immediately you know, manifests the moment that you even try to initiate and implement any of the things that we're talking about. That's a really interesting perspective. And I don't know exactly where we would go with that other than just commenting on what you just said. Like if you attempt to do the slightest thing that's outside of the 
maybe it's the conditioning of the subconscious mind. It's the patterning of the behavior that we we take on and the constructs that we take on as far as like our own person personality and our identity construct in relation to society, the status quo, how we fit into all that. Um, and if you've been really well patterned into that, and then you you voluntarily attempt to do something like read a book or you know whatever there is some kind of weird inner tension right there is some kind of weird um there's almost like a psychic um and i'll probably save this perspective for for later in the conversation just keep this simple but there's some kind of tension there where it's the the action is so simple whether it's like, I want to drink a green juice, or I want to do something for my health, I want to do that fitness thing. And it's logical, there should not be a tension, there should not be a resistance. It's just like, yeah, I've been thinking about this thing for a long time. And I'm going to translate this to to where we are right now. Because, you know, this, this brings up really the point about the opportunity that you brought up in the beginning of this, we have a massive opportunity as individuals to pursue something other than going to work every day. We have space, but within that space, there's a weird dilemma, which is, oh, I have to be with myself. There's now, I have to be with that resistance. And so what are we gonna do with this space? In other words, are we gonna use this as an opportunity to obsessively go on the internet and stay on our devices and look up every conspiratorial thing or look or stay tuned to the nightly news and the media magic making marketing machine and just get every little bit of information right stay even get even more addicted to our our devices or are we actually going to take this opportunity to go within or to do the basic things that maybe we have been putting off um you know, those are some ideas, but I just want to take it back to this idea of that resistance, that, that point that I just brought up and get your, your perspective on that. Yeah, well, it's a neuroscientifically uh, accepted thing, uh, and it's been known long before that science came to bear, that we have, you know, we have a divided brain, and that the left hemisphere operates like a sensor. And the left hemisphere is really nothing more than a... Um, transmitter receiver to the will of the many, the will of the collective to society, right? It's a society in our head. And that's where the resistance comes from. The rest of us, us is only too happy, you see, to have that rest, to have that silence, but we're not attuned to it. We're actually become enemies of our own self because we've read from the, the script. Our entire life is in lockstep with the script of the many. The most evil institution in the world is the collective. That's the masses, right? We're part of it or until you, until you go through purification processes where you're not part of it, right? Uh, and even physically removing yourself, say, to a more natural environment and all that. But most people don't know anything about that, and therefore, these are, you see, the, the whole trap of the left brain is that it anesthetizes you so that you don't even know what's wrong, right? It's in, all that is evil and all that is wrong is invisible. It's made invisible by its proximity. It hides behind the veil. So you're not even aware that there's anything wrong to be critiqued. You're not self-reflexive. You're not listening to your body and its pains and it's, you know, and you're not listening, you know, you're not uh, fathoming where that great weight is coming from or where that lethargy, you know, the blocks you're talking about. You're not able to phenomenologically turn and self-reflect. You have no concept of introspection. You have no, you've never exercised what I call central version, which is, you know, returning to how you feel about a person, a thing, a state of mind, right? You, you, 
there's no form. America is a culprit. This is one thing that America is, you know, culturally missing. It tried to bring it in, in through some different, you know, boogaloo groups like the new age and all, but even then it failed because as much as it brings in, it, it pushes something else out. So, you know, and I was part of that for more years, you can imagine, and could only find it wanting. You know, it's kind of what sort of helped. Well, yes, it was definitely one of the pillars that helped me launch my career and to make myself so bloody sarcastic. Well, after 30 years of going through what I've gone through, you'd be sarcastic, you know, and, and, and people fault me on that. But again, you know, geez, they haven't seen what I've seen. So there is that element as well. Not that to say there's not also a great deal of good in all of that and very well-meaning people. But there's also this reality distortion. There's also this dissociation that if I close my eyes, the tiger won't see me. You know, and we're that primitive. You know, and, and probably will be a thousand years from now. Our words will just be you know, meaningless because there's certain fundamental, you know, real, uh, uh, there's certain fundamental cognitive dissonance that really is impossible to shift. You look at people who are caught in a religion, no matter how many preposterous things you point out about it, what the hell, they're going to go for it every time. You could tell them that Jesus was the sun king and nothing but the sun king, and they'll just go, yeah, that's all paganism, I'm a Christian, I don't need to think about it. What do you do to that? And, and you'll find that you are now chasing your tail meaninglessly and so on. But one of the other factors I definitely wanted to touch on is that during any kind of thing like this, you know, when back in the time of the Blitz, people in London and England were forced to go down into the, you know, the, railway subways and and into different kinds of shelters and all of that right and they got away from it by singing and just you know lighting up a song and uh, and just waiting it out and all the rest of it but the thing is that there's been many times in history when this kind of thing does in fact happen and it what it does is it highlights right like we're, you're talking about it now highlights all of those existential areas which you've let go and it sort of brings them to bear now. You know, you can, they're like the elephant in the room, you know. But, and, and also one of them, one of these things that it brings to bear is what I have always referred to as the economy of time, right? I think that uh, one of the most important existential things is how the day will now be used. How people are now afloat on the ocean of time. How little relationship they have with time. Because when you're doing, when you are institutionalized, when the superego, which is an equivalent, you know, the psychological equivalent of the left brain, is guiding you with that script, with that manual, with that A to Z manual, then you know where your parking place is, you know what your daily schedule is, and you're abusing time, and you're abusing temporality because you've, you're, it's not yours, you haven't made it your own, it's everybody's, right? it's, it's what is known in German as das Mann, it's everybody's, it's the everyone's calendar or schedule. Christmas is a Christmas, Mother's Day is a Mother's Day, I've got the birthdays and we got, you know, this ceremony and Father's Day and Mother's Day. And we arrange the clock so that we don't have to actually experience time at all. And when some people ask me, Michael, how do you do all the work you do? How do you, how do you find the time? I don't find it. I made it. You know, I'm not going to get all the details, but I was able to manipulate, I use that word in a, in a, in a positive way, manipulate time so that things I needed to get done that were part of my vocation got done, right? And no sacrifice was too small. Now, I'm not asking people to start doing that, but as I say, just observe in the early instances how time has abandoned you. Because when you abandon it, it abandons you. And then you won't get, step out of mediocrity. You won't get that book written. You won't get you know, those things organized. 
you won't have that thought taking through beautifully from its inception through its middle through its contradictions and then to its conclusion you won't ever experience that in your life what you will experience well i don't need to paint pictures everybody knows you know and that is the road that's laid out for you by the midwealth by the collective by the super ego by the left brain and so it's quite a journey to be able to step out of that most people will not we already know that they'll just wait pause hold their breath and wait for everything to come back to normal again and then just go back to sleep Mm -hmm. But there's a few people who will, uh, you know, not do that and will observe this time and take it to heart and say, my God, I let the world intrude. I never knew the luxury of giving myself that rest, giving myself that space, giving myself that time. You know, so it would take podcast after podcast to extrapolate on how you work with time. But I'm just introducing the fact that there's a phenomenon called time and most people know nothing about it because the daily schedule has usurped it or impersonated it mm. and then all the all of the different successes and triumphs that you think you've attained in that you know field of time will never be there uh, on your deathbed it will not matter mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you haven't owned temporality in in the existentially authentic way and yeah. so that's a key thing that you know i did leave out in other comments but now i'm wonderful you know that you brought me on because we definitely need to mention that so that's another piece in the toolkit for people to, mm. to work with time, to embrace time, to uh, apologize to time. Wow. And to, yeah. and to enter into a completely yeah. new comportment with it. Yeah. Well, what I'm hearing you talk about is actually having an earnest, authentic relationship with the phenomena of time as if it's a sentient being itself. And that, that, that right there, I mean, I have never even said that or even thought that thought. Um, and that, that right there, I can see how wide and how deep dug that idea right there is. So maybe we'll just kind of like, we'll just kind of put that out there into the field and let people kind of chew on that idea that maybe we need to develop. Maybe this is the opportunity of a lifetime that we've all been given to actually reestablish a healthy, authentic relationship with time. It's just like any other relationship. If you're in a partnership with, a, with another human being and you, don't make that a priority and you don't take time. And I have challenges with this. And I noticed like, okay, this is, this is, this is spirituality. Like being in a relationship in of itself is like, you want to talk about spirituality. You can go in the, you can be the monk on the mountaintop all you want, but you know, like really getting, you want to, you want to see where the, the, the self-organizing complex system of life is add another person to it right and then get into that and, and see where your rough edges and your triggers and your your insecurities really are if you really want growth well i notice same thing with time this whole idea of time and again like you know we probably don't have the time quote unquote to really to even do that justice but just to make that point because what you just brought up is like is really i think it's the point you know, if there was one thing to like, to like really lay down solid in this conversation, I think that, and I want to get into some other things, but I think that right there uh, is the thing. If we gave one fifth of the time we give to other people and the mm -hmm. care, I'll just use that word, to time, we're yeah. not even asking for a whole dollop. Oh my God, how your life would change. And the meditation is really to think of the, of the passing of the seasons. Your meditation to you know for, to hang your hat on with this when it slips away is to stay focused on how the seasons pass into each other, how nature's own time. This is not something you can learn from men. As I told you, that's where the problem arose. It's from the collective that the problem 
why we've, uh, you know, why we have committed the crime against time that we have. And there's a whole apology to time, right? That that needs to be uh, undergone. There's like, a, there's like a reconciliation. Yes. Right. So if you Beautiful were to word. almost like anthropomorphize time, just for the the given example, if you're in a relationship and you broke that trust somehow. You can't just like, oh, it's just going to go back to normal. It's like, no, you like, first of all, once you've broken trust, whatever that means, it's never going to go back to the way it was. If it continues together, it's going to be fundamentally different. And there has to be a re reconciliation. There has to be an apology. There has to be some kind of honoring of what had just occurred, whatever that break in trust was. Let's just use that example. We can all understand that, right? Um, or the the indifference, maybe not giving it attention, not giving it the you know the care that you mentioned, right? There there is a reestablishing of a relationship that has to happen, and and the point I think I'm I'm driving at too is that within the time that we're in this moment of time, nothing's going to be the same, and I think that is something I just want to get across to people and also get your take on as we're talking about this. We're going through some kind of moment in time where automatically nothing's going to be the same as it was before this proposed pandemic that we're in. We're experiencing something that's never ever happened before. And we're going through some kind of tunnel or trans transition that you can give us a lot more cosmological perspective on um, and just social perspective on. Um, and I don't know what's on the other end of it. I have some ideas, but ultimately what I feel like I know is that nothing, that nothing's going to be the way it was before. So perhaps this is the, the opportunity, if there ever was an opportunity to reestablish our relationship with the present moment, because that's going to inform where we go from here. Yeah, if you are too focused on the horizon, you lose sight of the steps you're taking at this given time. And by the way, the, uh, the top existential philosophers who have, uh, you know, uh, extrapolated these things on time, the word that they use is reconciliation. So you're bang on in German. The word for reconciliation is exactly the word that they use, right, amongst others. So you're bang on there, Ronnie, you know. But quite, uh, and remember, it's, here's the weird thing about it, that those acts toward time are occurring at any time see so it's, it's like a weird paradigm there's no time set aside it, time allows you to come in at any time the door is always open hey you can't you know you're just like oh you come to church only on the saturday to light the candle you know the other guy comes every day it, 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 look as long as the candle is lit it don't really fucking matter right because the man only comes for one hour could be spiritually far more intense with what he's doing than the guy who's coming you know okay here we go <laughs> you know and not focused on it. This is entirely qualitative. Not, not going through the motions, right? Like yeah. actually like in terms of like, if somebody has a prayer, it's different than we can easily just go through the motions, but what, it, I mean, that's the whole thing in of itself, but I, you know, I want to derail this, but like, I just, I think right now, a lot of people are just going through the motions. And then that's also where that resistance that we talked about before that rub up against transitioning into more of an authentic, present, fully engaged version of us which is the version of us that actually does what we want to do. But we hold ourselves back from doing what we want to do because we have these programs. Um, and 
Yeah. Again, didn't, I didn't want to throw you off. You just, no, get, no. you just get me going so much that I can't, I can't help it. Well, again, a key point is that you see, this, this, is not, this is not some ideology that needs to be imposed by somebody else. You know, the, the, the essence of the prayer to time. All you need to do is the personal uh, introspection to see how you yourself have abused time because it's in our own lives. That's why it's called existential. You need just to look back and you, every human being listening to us right now will find moments of their life where they definitely abuse time. And I'll say no more about it, but you have to look inside. And when you see that, when that becomes a reality, then the statements of others are, are just signposts because now you caught it and you won't do it again. You know, those are moments where something slipped by in your life, right? A, a, something, a statement wasn't made. A timeout wasn't taken. You see, there's umpteen uh, violations that we've made on an existential level. And you see, there's existential shame. You know, we don't want to get into the whole nine yards of it. But this produces what is known as existential shame, which is very different than guilt. Guilt is towards infractions towards other people. Uh, you can go and get the forgiveness or not. Shame is violations against the self which is a totally different dynamic and which causes a different kind of pathology, which psychologists today couldn't, actually they've probably never been really interested in, except for a very small window of time just after Freud. Basically it fell and the champions in America who tried to champion it, they, they weren't heard. So we're into guilt and we're into fixes and pharmacology, you know, and, and, and uh, it hurts doc quickly, you know, fix it. The whole real psychoanalysis and psychology, which deals with this existential shame of the crimes we've committed to ourselves, right? That is null and void today. And I try to make it a key part of what I'm, you know, into. But one of these that stands out is our whole, what's called temporality, our relationship with the time, uh, how we've objectified it, how do we pushed it away, how we violated it constantly, and how we do have a, a quotient of shame, actually, you know, a very new concept of people who are totally unfamiliar with this. But nevertheless, there's a shame there that at some point, has to be negotiated. It's part of what's known as the underworld journey, right? The underworld journey, if you track it in the tarot or an astrologer or in any other tradition, a Jungian one, a Campbellian one, you know, uh, any, any tradition that you look at, the neophyte in his journey of the underworld will be suspended, you know, like the hangman. That's number 12. Well, how many digits are on the clock, right? Etc. So the hangman, number 12, is the neophyte. He's the, he's the initiate whether that's in Celtic Ireland or the deepest, darkest Africa, it wouldn't matter. He's going to be in a moment where his time is suspended. You know, sometimes they even physically put you out in the middle of the desert. You don't know where the hell you are in the middle of the night. And you don't know what you're going to run into. You're going to be eaten or you're going to get stung by a cactus. You know, you, you just don't know. So you have to find from within you the orientation. So this crisis point right here can be extrapolated, and it's far more interesting for me to do that, yeah. to be extrapolated along these archetypal existential lines, not losing sight, right? 10, 20% of what, what somebody else saying, what is going on, but never to lose sight of that, as you say, that grounding, that self-reference. And people don't have self-reference. They've got world reference. They've got persona reference. How's my mask doing? How am I looking now? Am I getting those successes? Keep polishing that badge, right? No, no, no. These are things that are going to throw you off kilter and they're part then indelibly of that underworld mm. experience. They're part of the fool's journey, right? Or, or, or the, or the yeah. as, as Joseph Campbell called it, the hero with a thousand faces, right? Yeah. But it's the yeah. fool's journey. And now we're all on it, but it's only at times like this that the masses get to realize, yeah, I'm mm. on the fool's journey. Go figure. That, that's, really, that's really interesting. I was just, as you were talking, I just had this thought that 
if 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 we are still heavily invested in the world that that was before this we are preparing for a world that won't quite exist in other words we won't be quite we won't be prepared for the world that's coming and i don't know what the world that's coming i have ideas i'm sure you have your own ideas too but like i mentioned before i don't think it's going to be based on the same parameters and skill sets of our social world, I think there's a complete restructuring going on. I think there's a complete, um, I think there's a lot of things going on um, behind the scenes and there's a lot of ideas being, and I wanna, I kinda wanna transition because I think you're, you're uniquely uh, qualified and probably have some perspectives that um, I haven't heard yet in terms of some of, the, some of the, the things that are getting brought up to the surface through shaking up the fish tank. And I use this analogy a lot, you know, whether it's physical detoxification, cleansing the body. You know, a lot of times when someone has a parasite infection, for example, they do all the parasite elimination herbs or whatever the things are. This can happen with antibiotics. And things get worse before they get better. And people are like, oh, no, that, that, that's, you know, that, that means something's wrong. It's like, no, that's actually a good sign because that's when the parasite is on its last ditch effort. It's secreting all these chemicals. It's trying to misdirect the immune system because it knows it's about to go. And it's, that's its last survival instinct. So your system is going, you have all these immune things happening. You got to wait it out. You got to just pace it out because this this is you know where where you're gonna you're gonna get clear my point is when you shake up the fish tank before the fish tank gets cleaned out and it looks pristine and clear there's all that muck that comes up well one of the interesting things that i've seen through this whole phenomena that we're experiencing uh well the first thing is that i'm surprised that everybody still thinks this is about a virus I mean, I, I, maybe I'm just way ahead of the curve. Maybe I'd never even thought that to begin with. But so much else has come up to the surface that's actually come into the mass collective awareness, secret societies, satanic, pedophile perpetrators. Like that, th this is actually like things that you've known for a while and I've become more aware of over the years. Um, deception, lies, deceit in our political institutions, the loony left as they're calling it. I didn't even know that was an actual term, but it looks like Fox News actually has coined the loony left. And I, I started watching, I'm like, these people are absolutely loony tunes. I had, I had no idea. So even I'm starting to see things differently. Donald Trump, like, whoa, wait a minute. Are, is there something behind the scenes? Was he possibly recruited? I, I'm, lear I'm learning all this new information and insights that I'm seeing all over the internet that wasn't, that either I didn't see or wasn't there before this whole thing happened. So what I'm, what I'm getting at is that somehow this thing catalyzed an entire, um, how, how do I want to say it? Like a re, the way that I see it, and I want to get your take on this. I'm feeling like everything that has been laid under the surface all the way from JFK and the assassination all the way to the t Titanic, taken all the way back to how the Federal Reserve got started and that whole thing. And um, I've seen a, re a piecing back together of our forbidden 
American history and world history and all the, the, you know, conspiratorial things that have happened that have been pushed underneath the rug. All of a sudden I'm seeing it coming up to the mass surface. And um, there's something interesting happening there. And I just want to get your take on, and I know I'm throwing a lot out there, but I know you, you, you can, you can, you know, put that together in some kind of way that makes sense for people. Um, Ultimately, what I'm getting at is this is triggering some kind of shaking up of the fish tank that is way beyond some kind of virus. Yeah, there, there's uh, viruses, you know, from a medical point of view, there's viruses less destructive, more destructive. There's those two cases, as, you know, I have no problem accepting that there is even, you know, a biological threat right now, because that's, it's all, you know, Africa's had it dozens of times, you know, and, and there's a lot of logic to it as well. But then on the other hand, I ask myself, why is it that Japan, I think until today, is still not in lockdown? Why are they able to handle it? And they're closest to China. They never experienced lockdown. I always trust Japan to be telling us what the slime in China is doing. And they've been telling us. But the West then went into a different mode, completely in contradistinction. Videos that were the fastest removed by Google were the ones that talked about it being fake. Any connection there? It's like they don't realize that the censorship leads us right to the truth. If those were nothing to fear from those few videos, they wouldn't have been bloody removed as fast, would they? Big sign, Google. Take another couple of things down. We'll know now that that was where the truth lay. So, you know, even the person who wants to buy into the mainstream, hey, buddy, you better, you better think like we're thinking here. Don't just buy the narrative, right? You know, and when you make a black op, it, it's really, really good. When you put those, those three-headed monsters at the gate, they, they're experts at doing it. They know how to do it. They'll even kill people to make it look real. The government does this kind of thing because they don't care about you, right? And they have lots of collateral, you know, things that they do. And so we must stay, as, just as, even as an exercise. Imagine you were, you know, working with a bow and arrow, right, or a weapon. You have to practice every day. Well, this is war. And this means practice every day with the tools of discernment, with high skepticism, and with a very flexible mind, you see, to be able to turn a thing around and look at it from different perspectives. You've got to convince yourself that, yes, this is an absolute biological threat. Right, now how do I see the picture? Then you've got to be able to set that aside and go, no, it is not a biological threat. It is bogus. How do I see things from that? You've got to be able to do that. Otherwise, sign off and go back. Get out of it. Get the fuck out of this movement. If you can't do that, right, sorry to be a boot camp, you know, sergeant major about this, but you're not qualified. I don't know what you think you are, but you're not capable. This subject is holy work, and it demands, right? a kind of intelligence that's absolutely unique, right? And that is why our schools don't want you to be rational. They don't want you to be highly critical. They don't want you to be judgmental. The new age movement, religion, just faith, believe it. Big brother tells you. The old father's enlightened. He tells you not to trust your mind, except in one place. When he, you have to accept him as being the totemic father. Then you can use your mind. And people don't catch on, right? You're surrounded in an illusion. Right, you're surrounded in it. Every, you know what was that book by Lloyd Pye? Everything you know is wrong, right? And I want to see people in this movement always coming from this position that everything I know could be wrong. Still, still looking at things, you know, with tremendous passion, but always having that edict of stoicism, detachment, and 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 uh, malleability to say, hey, you know, this is Aikido. I'm, I am fighting something that is so unbelievably informed about my mind. And I know nothing about my mind. 
and I'm including here body. People know nothing about it. That's why I love your work. So it is such a tremendous study, right? It's like the, the great master can be 200 pounds and he can walk on rice paper. Yeah, well, how the hell do you think that's done? Because um, the, they're in harmony, man. Their, their bodies, it's not about being under control. This is the whole thing that the West has got it wrong. It's about the flow. It's about the, the Tao, right? And it's about the sort of flexibility of the Tao. And also to realize that in any type of, um, sorry to come back to existentialism again, but in any encounter, in any encounter, in any experience, a selfie is actually involved. You are implicitly there, but you're invisible by proximity. So my work, the work of existential psychology, is to emboss the idea of the self so that when you're in this and that experience or going through this and that mood right, or engagement, you're very, very aware. I am there. Like you get behind yourself. Right? And I don't subscribe to techniques because I want you to find the technique yourself. Mm -hmm. I want you to be able to always be grounded and aware. Here I am in this you know, situation. And when you teach that kind of disciplines, they're, they're, these are the real meditations, then it doesn't matter to you what kind of, you know, creepy crawlies and monsters are, are you know, you can co-opt it. You can actually make it an assault course, you know, because people are too flabby, as you well know, Rooney, Ronnie, you know, people are too uh, preoccupied with the stimuli of the world. Mm -hmm. They've had umpteen movies. They've had umpteen songs, beautiful stuff, beautiful stuff. How could you miss it from the 60s and 70s and 80s? There's people of the highest poetic level, of the greatest filmmaking capacity, masters of imagery, you know? who've laid it on the line. It's there in the, in the world's favorite music and the world's favorite songs mm -hmm. and the greatest films that have ever produced, How to Live. So yeah. if you are existentially dreamt and you are a, you know, a criminal to your own self, because despite all of that, you just carry on with inauthenticity, uh, expect a whirlwind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Might be my only comment. Yeah. Expect total meltdown that all these, you know, all of these um, support mechanisms that you think are so damn wonderful, they just, they just melt. They turn to jello in your hands. Told you so. But you didn't want to listen. Yeah. Well, then perish. Mm. Yeah. And it, it kind of like, I don't know if this is a roundabout thought, but I, I just thought about this idea that, you know, you don't get the leaders that you want. You get the leader that you deserve. And so I want to take this to Donald Trump for a moment, not to get into anything specific, but just to bring this up is it's been utterly fascinating to me because I've never, I thought politics forever was like completely irrelevant to anything real. It never had any bearing on my reality. I thought it was some kind of like props and stages, smoke and mirror. And I, and I, I imagine that that was mostly accurate, but all of a sudden I find myself curiously watching just p bits and pieces here and obviously I'm, I'm looking beyond the surface and and you know with with this whole QAnon phenomenon and just looking at all this alternative information i'm curious your thoughts on a lot of this and in this and these these things around mass arrest and and this idea that um well just a simple idea that nothing as, nothing is as it seems right so from the perspective of what appears to be happening in our world and what appears to be happening to us. You know, some people are on the, the, the it's basically like this. We either have to pick a lane, right? I'm going to go doom or gloom. 
So it's all leading to like martial law and forced vaccination and 5G and all this like total control, like militaristic control as if like, you know, everybody's out to get us basically. It's that train of thought. And there's the ultimate conclusion of that. Or maybe, just maybe, there's the appearance of what was the control system plan, which is all the things that I just mentioned, right? That's all, we've all kind of known that. That's not really hard to figure out. But maybe that's not actually the ultimate conclusion of where this is going. Maybe there are people and there are um, things going on behind the scenes that we don't understand, that our, our limbic system can't quite capitulate and put together. And maybe this is actually going towards our sovereignty, sovereignty and freedom. And... Um, I'm curious what you think about that. And I'm also curious, um, just any ideas that you have around uh, even Donald Trump. I'd love to know what your perspectives are just out of curiosity. Um, you know, as I'm sure you've been paying attention to things and you, you know, you have a certain perspective that might be enlightening. Well, if you go back to the statements he made throughout his whole life, he's still consistent with a great many of those. And that's a good sign. Yeah. Right. Um, he's also heading in directions I support. Except that I would hurry him up because oh, yeah, he, he yeah, hasn't yeah. accomplished. He hasn't accomplished, you know, a great deal. Uh, the, probably one of the most important things that I would feel he should have moved on almost immediately. Uh, and, and even though there is a delay, he may still move on it is things like, you know, the, the freedom uh, amendment one, you know, the freedom to speak what you want. And, and he should be knocking Google out. He should just be knocking. He should be giving the ordinary person in the street so much legal power. Now, a couple of months ago, he did actually start on that journey. So as I say, I'm still observing. Yeah. But where my focus is, what I do is I think of a man who is really a, basically a paleo conservative, or even if he wasn't originally, he started to align himself with this, you know, uh, the conservative movement uh, behind the scenes. In other words, they chose him. They, they said, you're the boy we want. That, that's you know? what, yeah, 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 exactly. You know what I mean? Right. And of course, you see, to the vast majority of liberal Americans, and they're not liberal, they're communists, let's just get that straight so we can move on. What is a liberal in, in America is by and large an absolute socialist communist. Yep. They, hate the, they hate the conservatives of any description, and most of those people are white, male, wealthy people. That's enough to have them being hated by the vast majority of the, you know, the flunkies in America. So I don't listen to any of those people. Donald Trump looks just fine to me. I'm a Belfast-raised lad. There's nothing about Donald Trump that worries me. Mm -hmm. He's not even, he's, and I'd be even worse if I was his, you know, attache, if I was somebody attached to him and advising. I go, you just go for it, mate. Keep doing. That's what got you elected yeah. in the first place. So, yeah. mm -hmm. okay, America? Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. But more factually, I look back to the disaster and the damage done by his predecessors going all yes. the way back to Woodrow Wilson. Wow. When you see the absolute flagrant damage that nobody on earth could ever put Humpty Dumpty back together again. I'm not even asking for that because the CFR and the round table and they've hired every president since Roosevelt and, and Woodrow Wilson was your first one. And I don't think even later presidents did half the damage even that one president did right? with his cohort from the British round table groups, Colonel Mandel House. But of course, it just spiraled out of control there. And anybody who tried to come in, you know, from the side, like Barry Goldwater, who's like the kind of President Trump before the President Trump, only somewhat more sophisticated, so to speak. But anybody like that who's tried to come in was unable to come in. They assassinated them. They took them out in one way or another. 
and I don't mean Kennedy here, he was one of the establishment. He got taken out for other reasons. He was perfectly an establishment goon. So was Reagan, so was Bush, so was Obama, all of them. There's, there's no, see, after this period that I'm talking about, after Wilson, there is no genuine conservative movement in America you know, that has any political power. It still has wealth and it still has money and it still has elite control over what it has control over, but it ceased to have political power from this time of Wilson because what was happening at the time of Wilson made sure they couldn't really exercise power and that the only people in government who would be wealthy were wealthy corporate communists, yeah. mm -hmm. not as people have been deluded in this country to think capitalists. They got rid of all of the conservative media hosts, like Morton Downey and others I could mention, they get rid of them, systematically knock them out, right? And they get rid of any presidential candidate. And so since Reagan and before, since Nixon, all the way back, it's just one big CFR fest, right? Now they do move the goalposts a little bit, you know, bend the lighting. So a little bit conservative here. No, they need a little bit of liberalism here, but take that away now. They play that game mm -hmm. as everybody by now should know. That's just a shadow play. Yep. But it's basically, everything's moved so far left that to call Donald Trump a conservative is already a misnomer mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because his kind of conservatism is still not the real thing any more than anything over, you know, anything over in Britain. You see, it's all moved so far left that you can actually construe Tony Blair as a hawk and a possible neocon and all the rubbish they talked about. Yeah, because since the time of Thatcher, the whole thing has moved so drastically towards the left that you can even think of Margaret Thatcher. As a, cap as a capitalist and a, a conservative, when she was anything but, she was just a crypto capitalist. She sold England out to the Swiss banks mm -hmm. and to Europe while, mm -hmm. while pretending, I said, the shadow play, making it look like she was you know, completely the opposite. But any fool could see that her actual behavior, yeah. and if you know where to go to find out these things, I post this on my blog all the time, these historical anecdotes, so you can substantiate the things I'm talking about. Yep. So yep. first of all, Donald Trump is not a conservative, so be very careful there, right? He's only conservative in the shadow sense where it's a stage setup, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But even with that new window dressing, it doesn't mean that the man can't at least, you know, undo some of the cat catastrophic things that happened, you know, from the time of Woodrow Wilson. And that's how I check anybody that comes in. Well, Obama was a complete failure. Clinton's a complete failure. None of it's restored. It's just more of, these, of the same old, same old backing the Europe, backing the League of Nations, the United Nations, and every other GATT, my God, uh, NAFTA, right? All of those things, all of the things that, you know, all, uh, we've had two world wars, remember those, right? You know, so in between Woodrow Wilson's tenure, which is the early, you know, 19 cent, uh, early 1900s, you've had nothing but catastrophe that's yeah. got us to where we are now. So when you factor in that background, it, who's actually, you know, in, uh, sort of, now uh, being put into the uh, made-for-TV limelight, uh, made so that you'll throw darts at him or you'll put laurel leaves around, mm -hmm. is really so insignificant. You yep. just simply look at uh, the fruit, you know, the tree by its fruit. Hey, I like some of the stuff he's doing. I want him to keep heading in that direction. You keep uh, looking at it, and you keep pulling back from the canvas as well. Yep. You know, so you read what you basically, in practical terms, you know, I su suggest people read the book lists that I'm constantly putting up that are both from the extreme left and this, you know, the right and in the middle and, and, and really educate yourself and also maybe put yourself into the position of somebody like that who, you know, is a, a representative of that old money, you know, those paleoconservatives who really don't have a lot of power, uh, you know, uh, politically. Now, the, the, their detractors always try to make it look like they do. But I'm, I'm telling you, they do not. Yeah. 
right? The people who have the power and the money are the George Soros types. He's, he's just one of millions of them who have a very, very, very leftist ideology. We know this because books were written in the 1960s by people like Alan Bloom and others explaining this. So this is not my theory. This is backed up. And then there's reiterations from people like Douglas Murray and so many other great, great writers. And then there's even another generation now, like Dinesh D'Souza and, uh, oh, you know, Stein and who else, you know, uh, you know, you know, the Tucker Carlson sort of group, young men who have desperately trying to go back to some sort of tradition, you know, uh, try to find what was authentic in original American culture and look at some of the negs as well. Uh, you know, what's his name? Glenn Beck and that kind of person, you know, and they speak to me. They really do. Uh, I'll not, I'll not be coy about that because that's the kind of American I expected to find when I came over to America. Cause I say, I'm a Belfast lad, right? I grew up, you know, you're talking about the shaking up and the yeah, constant, yeah, you know, yeah. stirring the waters. How can anything happen in the world? You know, when somebody has 24 years of nonstop violence on all levels, on all levels of their life, you know, out to the bigger political question, there's nonstop high intensity terrorism or violence well forgive me if i'm wrong i'm sleeping on my hammock when all of this is happening it's it's not the biggest deal to somebody who's been deeply you know affected by that so what that does is it makes your perspective a little calmer remember in jaws <laughs> right they go to get the old bugger mm -hmm. the old irish bugger in the boat yeah, i'll take it on no problem just give me some you know a couple of hooks yeah you give me the money i'll go get your shark you know that's basically my attitude you know, it'll take a lot more of that to scare somebody from Northern Ireland who went through a lot of stuff and saw a lot of stuff. Uh, and that's not some heroic statement. That's just, it was the milieu. Somebody could say it about growing up in Israel, right? It is the milieu that you're born in uh, attacks your system. And therefore you end up either crumbling and fizzling away like a little, you know, beta. And you're scared of the world. Mm -hmm. Or yeah. it fortifies you where I'll take you, I'll take you on. I don't care how many heads you've got right? It's David and Goliath, right? Mm, and that's mm, my kind of mm, mentality. Yeah. You, know, you, you, you fortify yourself. And so that leads us to another question about is one of the biggest attacks on the world right now, the demasculinization, either through subliminal seduction, through a, a liberal message, right? So you can come at us even from that point of view that yeah. one of the reasons we're in the yeah. shit we're in now is we've got no Robert Shaw's right, going out with a pen knife to kill Jaws. Where are you people? Hello, is anybody out there? Right. Mm -hmm, so, the, you know, because mm -hmm. this is nothing, man. This is nothing. Yeah. Right. Really, yeah. If you contextualize it, go yeah. learn about Passchendaele and what blood lies in the soil there, my friend. Mm -hmm. And at the Marne. One, one thing you just brought up something, which I think is an interesting point. I think from my perspective and a lot of people might might have problem with this, but I'm going to say it. My perspective on all this is that we're dealing with more of a perceived crisis than we are with an actual crisis. If you look at all the data, this has been done to death on social media. If you look at all the data around the coronavirus, the COVID-19 virus and the statistics and everything else that we've ever gone through, any other kind of flu or viral infection or anything that was a legitimate pandemic, the 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 um, statistics that have been recorded are minuscule now if you actually there's so much stuff coming out where the media is actually fabricating hospital scenes literally copying and pasting hospital photos from italy and and saying this is what's going on in new york 
And then there's other people that are like, wait, that looks like the same thing. Then they, they map it together. And now they're like, Hey, they, they said, this is, this is New York, but this is a scene in Italy. And it's the exact same thing. This is going on. Then there also, there's also a lot of records of doctors and nurses and other researchers coming out saying that the statistics are skewed. The testing is completely inaccurate. It's basically as good as flipping a coin. It's 50, 50. And it's based on maybe opinion or, or just like whatever. It's not an actual legitimate test. And if somebody in the hospital dies of say pneumonia, or let's say um, a heart attack, there's instances where people are just on the death certificate saying it was Corona or it's being changed to Corona. There's doctors and nurses that have come out on record saying, Hey, this person had a heart attack or heart disease. And then they came back and the death certificate said they died of coronavirus. It's Some like of the people who administrate hospitals yeah. are members of very powerful secret societies like the Shriners, Scottish Rite, and so on. I don't trust one thing these people say the yeah. nurse may be okay and she may be saying this has happened just like a newspaper as an editor yeah. who'll rewrite what you just gave him but she's a pawn on the chessboard too yes they're pawns but just like in a newspaper where the editor sets to work to rewrite your piece so that even you can't recognize it right and then that's your job over you your job is very clearly just you know demarcated and then you have no say, zero say over what happens with what you, your data when it yeah. gets up into the hands of these administrators. And then they are controlled by big pharma who are controlled by the secret government. And so what the secret government want, they get. These institutions are by no means independent. They even think that they are. You know, they're part of the whole corporate structure. And so when the script comes down, this is what you're going to do. Even presidents have to somewhat, you know, negotiate that and acknowledge that. And what we have learned to do uh, hopefully, is always turned to the alternative. That's what the alternative movement is about, right? Uh, it's about people who second guess that. And there, as we said in the very beginning of the show, there are people that are trustworthy there, you know, to, to that degree, and you can work it out. And I, th I think you're right as well. I think that they're doctoring the hell out of it, you know, and it's very easy to do because, as you quite said, all you're doing at the, at the base level is asking a person what their symptoms are. Now, that document can be manipulated in any, you can turn it like a Rubik's Cube to get what you want at the end of it. Yeah, that person had coronavirus, knock it up another one. You know, then, I wouldn't trust yeah. that. There's so much hysteria and mayhem going on. Who's doing the record keeping? Who's keeping yeah. track of people? Who's putting- They are. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, so that's uh, why, yeah, go ahead. Well, videos were taken down super fast of the contradictory line. Yeah, Google, thanks for pointing it out to us because now we know where to look for the truth, you freaking idiots. Mm -hmm. You go after videos and leave thousands of others on, on there that are, all seem to have the same narrative, but the ones that dissent, they're gone mysteriously. Now, let me think what that might mean. You don't have to be right. Columbo. Right. Well, and, right? You know, of course, it's because it's all, it's all in the, the, the guise of um, you know, giving you the right information and protecting you from disinformation or misinformation that that's, you know, it's, it's just a really fascinating thing. So that's why I just take it back to this whole thing of perception of crisis versus the actuality of a real crisis. I'm not saying people aren't affected. I'm not saying this is even a, a hoax because there's people out there on the internet saying that the virus isn't real. Um, no, it's real. It, it's, it's definitely real. There is 
a virus, right? But there's also a lot of other things going on. What is it, geo-warfare or bio-warfare, I mean? Was it man-made? Well, I'll tell you this. It has a patent on it. So does Ebola, so does Zika, so does AIDS. So do, those all have patents on it, right? That's interesting. Well, that means that it was man-made. You can't put a patent on something that's organic in nature. Right. That's why you have a pharmaceutical companies that synthesize compounds in nature in plants particularly so they can put a patent on and they can monopolize it right well that what what hold wait 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 hold on now that's interesting so i think that that becomes part of the part of the inquiry that's going on now and part of the deception of the veils that are just so thin they're so damn thin now that it's unavoidable to see that hey something's not right here you know, there are people at effect. We are all at effect in some way. We're, ha- we're having a shared experience for the first time ever as a global society. We're, also, we're all having a shared experience of being put in our home. And we're all kind of on the same topic, which is a really interesting phenomenon. So we're all kind of on the same page in that sense. And, um, but, but there, you know, we, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition here, but the idea is that we're being forced to see through the paper thin veil that's been there all along. And somehow there's a, there's a catalytic effect that this is having. My thing isn't to like go, you know, push the button to death on the the virus or all these different ideas. It's just to push the, the button on the fact that this is a catalyst. This is a catalytic moment. If there ever was one for that veil to fall apart and us to finally get on board with what the truth is. That's right. And I agree with that 100% because it's also backed up with astrologically what's taking place. Maybe you can touch briefly on that in a minute. But the catalyst is that sometimes when you do shake up things, people waken up, which you did not expect to happen. You've done it for your own reasons, but sometimes it's just the right place in the right time. You know, that bump, I described it as, you know, one of those Indian buses, you know, careering around, you know, a mountain path and suddenly everybody gets this, huge precipice that'll wake you up that'll give you some vertigo and by god it's needed you know so it wouldn't be the first time that these scares have been used it wouldn't be the first time that they've attracted attention to the underlying mechanics that the other school says you fools we're getting the way we want by not attracting attention to us and now look what you have done right don't you didn't you know there's got an internet don't you know that there's different kind of thinking amongst the people today. What were you thinking? You see, so they do go wrong. I, I did a thing called the dying conspiracy where we try to harp on that. And this could indeed be, as you're saying, another you know, sign that they blew it. The criminal blew up, you know, he used too much dynamite to blow up the safe and the whole damn district heard it and all the alarms have gone off. And you know something? I'm happy for that too, right? I go, well, I'm not worrying because people like me, do you realize the lampooning that I've had to endure for decades? being told that even when obvious half the stuff we've talked about was totally rejected by people, you know, close and far. Hey, I'm going to love it when the world goes, okay, we're, we're post approving the conspiracy. Oh, we are. Oh, thank you. And all of a sudden, all those things that you've been harping on all those years, all of a sudden, everybody's an expert online about those exact same things out of nowhere. Shut up already. They're saying to me, I'm going, thank you. Now, can we move on then? Can we get into the other material that I've also got mustard? Because apparently you've all been convinced all of a sudden. Now there can't be any argument against, well, you guys are just crazy. Oh, we are, are we? You see, so in many ways, do you see the benefit of this? It happened at an astrological time, by the way, 
which is indicative of that. Yeah, you know, exactly. Even the very period where it really ramped up is a time exactly known by astrologers to do this kind of thing where we, uh, we uh, old crimes are dug up, let's say, old conversations are had, and truth that was truth, you know, it, it wins the day. It's brought yeah. back to the table and it wins the day. So that, that was already, you know, uh, kind of a help to me, to, you know, because it's happening at a time where it was quite predictable. You know, but there are counter aspects as well in which, uh, you know, the phenomena of progress, right, is exactly where the planet Saturn is right now. It's in the house of, the, of progress, which is Aquarius. And that can mean bad and good things. It can mean chaos and scatteredness and wacko jacko stuff. But in general, it means healthy mental, you know, development, technological development in all the positive ways. Saturn, the planet, just within the last week or so has come in there. And that is like your caveman with his club coming in like a Luddite to smash up a great deal of, you know, what constitutes extremely good progress. So what that will mean is a recidivist, fundamentalistic, crude, right? Anti-progressive method, you know, mentality comes to bear. And it'll manifest in different grades. But it's not good on the whole because you know where successes have been made, sometimes this is going to be arrested now. And, and see, when you have a panic like this, the trouble is that that also can force people back into a limbic sort of realm, a limbic mode of consciousness, right? The only positive that comes out of it that I can see is that Saturn will put a crimp on hyper... We use the word again this time, but capital P, progressive in the political way. It makes people more conservative. And it, and it says, let's go back to some old traditions. I don't even see what was wrong with them anymore. It's like waking up from a trance where, you know, this hurtling forth in areas that are not productive and are deeply, deeply destructive. Saturn could indeed finally be, you know, the, the putty and the cement that sort of blocks that hole. And so we'll have to notice whether the liberal movement, the, the, the super socialists and all, you know, if people are starting to sh slap them down, that'll be an indication of the Saturn in Aquarius, right? So there's both positive and negative things there. Um, the well, negative being the true. You, can I oh, ask you about that real quick? I, you just brought something up. I want to just ask you about that because I've been noticing when I've been going on YouTube and looking all these news broadcasts, like everything except for Fox News is completely anti-Trump. It's like 100% focusing on impeachment we gotta oh that didn't work let's do it again let's just, just it's 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 absurd it's literally like absurdity right and you know all this is going on and anyone that's paid attention to this and who's in that world can see what's happening fox news and i don't know what's going on behind the scenes if they've been going through some kind of restructuring they're talking about deep state shadow government they're actually they're actually talking about facts and they're actually backing up the president and they're actually they're actually um, going against the the Democrats, if you will, not to good or bad. That's just it. Just is what it is. That's what we're talking about. That entire that entire side, if you will, the left is just completely like they're just they have their own agenda. That's just what it is. They have their own weird agenda, and they don't seem to care about people. They don't seem to care about the citizens. That has nothing to do with their agenda, apparently. And Fox News is calling them out in a way I've never... Let me just say this quote, and, and this is my question based on what you just said. I'm trying to get some understanding on this. I heard, a new, I heard one of the people on Fox News, they were having this like interaction. He said, 
the media being worried about misinformation is like the mafia being worried about murder. And I damn near fell out of the back of my seat. I was like, what did I just hear? And it's been going on like this. I'm curious if, if that plays into exactly what you're talking about with the astrology. Yeah, the left is a deeply, see, we have enemies, right? So every time you think of a Trump or a Western leader, you know, you have to factor into that background we talked about. And one of the factors of the background is, guess what? The West has enemies. And that's not ever brought up part of the narrative. Sweet old China, good old China, help China. Putin, Mr. Wonderful. He loves puppies. Islam. You know, look, for goodness sake, know at least who your enemies are, right? And those enemies have systematically, since the time of Woodrow Wilson, implanted their own agents within the heart of American culture. And America has done next to nothing outside a few conspiracy people I could mention. In the mainstream, they've done nothing to remedy the fact. Even though you've had some of the most finest Americans, people I bow to, like Stanton Evans and others, who've gone, who lived their whole lives trying to expose it, right? Okay, so you say, here's a network who is doing wonderful work. We had Glenn Beck on there, right? I mean, that, that's almost enough in, in itself. Now you've got Tucker Carlson and some other really great people. Okay, why? I've been Go back to my work of 2005, 6, and 7, and, and even before that. And I went blue in the face predicting that the mainstream media would at some point troll all the works of your G. Edward Griffins, you know, and, uh, 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 and the Eustace Mullins, and the whole of our movement is slowly being trolled. And it will finally pop up. I don't know where and I don't know when, but I guaranteed my audience that it will. And that, that was because they had gone bankrupt a long time ago. And they were playing, you know, they were gas. They were, they were driving on gas through most of the, the 90s. And therefore, slowly, imperceptibly, they start trawling and plagiarizing and cannibalizing the work of the underground, of which I was a part from very early on. My, do you realize my videos were on Google Vid? The very first time you could upload a video. And I remember, you know, having difficulty doing it because they didn't even have the bandwidth, right? And all the rest of it, right? So this movement, which was a part, and I was very sensitive. I knew, I had done my homework and I knew, what does Bo Greit stand for? You see, what is, you know, Ralph Epperson, all of these different names. Some of them are still going, right? And many have departed, Sherman Skolnick and all these people, right? So knowing thoroughly what everyone was doing, I could then immediately take a reading when I saw, oh, hey, wait a minute, whoa, 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 what's that, right? Shit, a little bit of astrotheology there, whoa. In a mainstream show? Nah. So I've been tracking it, Ronnie, from the mid-90s onwards, and it's just ramped up and ramped up and ramped up. So now when we get now to 2019, and Fox News is indeed practically you know, calling the shots, it's only because the, 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 uh, the, the rule had already been set. They weren't doing, see, they responded to what already the underground was doing. They did not do it because they wanted to. They did it because to stay alive. In the 1980s, they were even taking readings, let alone in the 90s, that people's viewing of mainstream news shows had dropped to almost 40 to 50%. And it's continued. People's reading of the rags that they're putting out was falling off to the point where these companies were bankrupt. They've even, they've even 60 Minutes and other, have even made programs about it. What's happening to mainstream news? Right. So I tracked that and knew they were getting bankrupt with a tawdry garbage, right? Where you had to, if you could find in uh, years of programming, one little anecdote, one little Morton Downey or one little thing, you know, and you'd have to be glad for it. 
So they responded by saying, we've got to do an overhaul. Let's stop treating these, these you know, conspiracy people and hinterlanding them. Some of them are generals, for fuck's sake. Smedley Butler. Some of them are colonels. Some of them are, you know, this is, what have we been thinking? So they simply uh, inject, you know, put their straws in and sucked out. And you have to be glad for it because people like us are in the background. You're glad for any little bit of exposure. A movie by this guy, you know, a movie by that guy, a little bit, bit come out you know, Brotherhood of the Bell or, you know, and something for, you know, you're glad for it in many ways because as imperfect as it is, but now it's exploded. Now they've, they've all agreed to say, hey, we're going for broke. Troll that movement. What's that Alex Jones guy? What's his name, right? Just, they're, they're, we're already getting audiences without any advertising. We're already having thousands of people in the, in, in the Patriot movement, right? And people who have a spirit of, True Americanism are listening to these people. Then came 9-11, right? And you had a slew of great work from the under, underworld, right? That uh, came out. I can't remember the names right now, but there was a lot of people, you know, I knew personally who'd made these excellent DVDs exposing that, right? I even made one. So there's all sorts of, and there's brilliant stuff out there. Excuse me, you know, because I can't remember the names right now, but there were some really, really fine scholars did this. Uh, Barry Zwicker would be one, right? So out of that movement comes even more right? So suddenly the mainstream media is not dumb, you know, they have their sensors out. They don't just keep the focus on where they are. They're watching what's happening in the undercurrents, in the underground, you know, it doesn't have the budget of itself. It will never reach mainstream, you know, but they're observing how it just sort of nearly does. And then like a chameleon with a long tongue, wasn't there a fly there a minute ago? Right. And so they just simply sampled a vast, vast amount. And I've been watching it day after day, week after week. And now you got History Channel doing Atlantis and Bog-Eyed Aliens. Do you think for one minute that 25 years ago, even if the demand of the public was there, these companies serious, just said no. You had your odd William Shatner thing and you had your odd little, you know, uh, narrated by, say, Leonard Nimoy. You know, there were a few, you know, Arthur C. Clarke and, you know, and all that. But it was far and few between. And it was mostly people just watched it tongue in cheek. Eric von Denyken was crucified, right? And, and you know, in, in very recent history. So what I see, what you're talking about is because of the internet, is because of the incredible hard work, you know, of the, of the, uh, of the uh, dwarves in the, in the dark places of the world, laying down these foundations, establishing the credibility, men that people don't even know that I tried desperately to bring up in my work. You know, James Perloff, John Stormer, and hundreds of other names that, you know, I can rattle off because that's, I've seen this process. And so now finally it breaks through and Fox News gets all the credit. That's the way the world, that's one of the great actually paradoxes of the world. It's one of the great, uh, you know, it is really one of the ironies that we forget the men who labored in the engine rooms. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I will never forget their names because yeah. they enlightened me and they allowed me then to step out into the world, you see, to transmit their knowledge. Right across the board. I'm right now. I'm even finishing a program, you know, on catastrophism that digs those names out again, mm. you know, in a different context. And I do that in all my work. Doesn't mean that I'm just reciting, you know, like a parrot all their ideas. Yeah. I'm. Just, but I, I'm. I'm. I'm resting on their ideas. I'm modernizing their ideas. I'm adding a mixture of my own thought to it to contemporize it. And most importantly, I'm distributing it to people who damn well need. Because the greatest solution, starting off with our whole pro program here, the greatest solution that exists is the past. Yes, yes. Because everything that we face today was already faced by the sages and the mystics and the masters of the past and remedied 
right? So wherever there's a problem, there's a, you know, a, 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 not only a solution to it, but a way to get to the solution. Yeah. So what's happening in today's world is when people are now having it late. Like maybe I already said earlier on, we, we've had the songs, we've had the movies, we've got channels now, love them or hate them, you know, but we, there's the information right there. So it's not just about seizing. Remember that thing about relationship with time? It's not immediately pushing the button and seizing the solution. These hot points are of us for to understand again the process of going into the jungle, yeah. right? Slashing through the, the the branches, you know, cutting a path through so that we find the solution. America has yeah, had yeah, solutions yeah, yeah, yeah. too easily dispensed yeah, yeah. for too yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's not the masculine way; it's the feminine yeah. way. Uh, uh, can I have it? I'm a non-heroic mediocrity. Mm. Come on, mm. I should be able to buy it at the corner shop, right? I yeah. should order it on a QVC. Yeah, instant instant gratification. What instant the hell? Yeah, it's, I it's head down like, to the jungle, yeah. take some jungle juice. I'm enlightened. Deepak, yeah. where are you? Tell me, yeah. tell my story to the world. What the hell? Well, you actually, hold on. You just brought up a really interesting point right there because I've been having this, uh, you know, when this whole thing took, took effect, I started to realize and I started my messaging and sharing with people. I was like, okay, well, I've done a lot of plant medicine ceremonies. I've done a lot of rituals. I've done a lot of personal development work. And then I started seeing other people and the reactions and people that I, I felt, you know, I was surprised by certain people that were having certain reactions that I would have expected different reactions. And other people that I discounted or counted out were actually kind of rising to the, to the moment. And I realized like, okay, let me get this straight. What was the value of all those plant medicine ceremonies? You know, whether it's traveling to Peru and doing ayahuasca or working with the shamans and and it's not it's not good or bad it's neutral it's all about intention and and you know the actual you know that's a whole conversation of itself but what was the point of all those shamanic initiations and the personal development workshops and the spiritual workshops and all this information that we've learned and taken on what was the point of all that work and what's the value of it now because now is the moment that that all has to come into the fold now is where the fruits of our labor, our labor, personal development work and all this self-help work and all these, these things that maybe we've, we've done to fill up the time maybe, you know, and now is the moment. Now is the moment where real spirituality needs to come at the ready. And so that's an interesting idea, just piggybacking on what you just talked about, because essentially what I hear from you is this convenience culture that we've had this immediate gratification, this microwavable result kind of thing where we don't have the ability to stew in our dilemma, to sit in the discomfort in that, that void of um, uncertainty, right? And that's just life. But again, like, so our whole, our whole certainty has been shaken up. And now we're dealing with this like, okay, I don't really know what's going on what do I do with myself? I think that's how we started this out. And we talked about that for a while. And I think that's ultimately where this comes down to is what the heck do I do with myself? And I think that's the question a lot of people have on their mind, or maybe it's just subconscious. They're just trying to figure out, okay, what do I do with myself now? And my question, I guess, to you and to all of us is how do we use this opportunity of uncertainty this opportunity of discomfort this opportunity of, of a potential void how do we use it to our advantage and how do we actually be the solution 
that were that you know that that we seek to to quote Mahatma yeah, Gandhi. Yeah, as a personalist, I'm not absolutely discounting the relevance that a person has with this or that experience. That would be violating their will. Uh, I want them to value it. And if that experience, right, it's just like going up in a glider. Hey, that was the greatest thing I ever do, did, you know, even if I never do it again or diving with the dolphins or whatever it might be. Of course, you're assigning value to that at your time. It's just I, I would prefer that people were able to go through the kind of rituals that they do, you know, under a mushroom down in the Amazon at home without intaking anything except a glass of water. Right. There's a there's already a temple hidden in a glass of water. There's already a temple in the elements and the light, in relationship with animals, in picking up a leaf, in sitting with your pain in a different way. That is the Western magical tradition. And it's occluded by all the gurus and all the religions and all the priests, right? Everything you can think of, and you can do the experiment, as we said, of looking back in your own life and seeing how you violated time, how you didn't uh, savor your agony and let it become your greatest teacher. You didn't. And by God, if you had, you would not be the same person. So I've been saying it for years about the shadow, the shadows. They come in all gnarly and horrible and stinky, right? And you, you banish them. You tell them, go, get, get thee hence. And in doing so, you make yourself shallow, right? You commit a deep crime to your own self, and you will reap the whirlwind because of it. America is pathologically anti-psychological. It has no relationship with pain at all. It just has, like George Carlin, even in a humorous way, brought this up, right? But the fact that he was right, there is no relationship with pain, just pseudo pain, and taking ourselves to the, dry, to the, you know, the car wash, right? Taking us, ourselves to the psychiatrist, which, which is nothing, amounts to nothing more than sort of a spring clean so I can just go back and become part of the abnormal world. Krishnamurti said there is no sanity in adjusting to the abnormal world. Well, yeah, why don't people listen to that? So we're not as modern as we think we are. We're not as advanced as we think we are, psychologically speaking, emotionally speaking, and bioenergetically speaking. Because when I talk about shadow work, I'm always thinking about Wilhelm Reich, who did not use that term. And neither did someone like Arthur Yanov or Alexander Lowen and these people. But they did speak about emotional plague. And how that, that there's not a political paradigm or a political activity that isn't rooted in the emotional plague, which is the armoring, which is the self-denial, which is the cognitive dissonance, which are all choices. Yes, there's Big Brother's Boot, and the probably 100% of the conspiracy authors that I know and have worked with and are out there, almost 100% of them are always excellent at talking about the boot of Big Brother in the Orwellian sense. Never does anybody say, hey, Big Brother, come put, my boot on, come put your boot on my neck. That's, we're still, see, so we're not as far advanced as we think we are, even in the movement that's meant to have the greatest solutions, from which I've now practically divorced myself entirely. No, well, not entirely. Obviously, it would be ridiculous, right? But a lot of my priorities have changed mm -hmm. as my outlooks yeah. have changed, mm -hmm. right? And that's just a personal foible, right? But it's substantiated when you see this thing we're talking about and addressing now, which is everybody is very good and up to speed on telling you where, you know, the external threat is yeah. and yeah. poor old us, we're taxed, we're chemtrailed, we're this, we're that, the other, right? There is not a voice squeaking up about how I want to be enslaved, how I want freedom from freedom, how I want chains of gold, 
rather than chains of iron. But I don't really want any fundamental opening of the doors of the gulag. I just pretend I do. And I'm very elaborate in how I pretend that I do to myself. I've got window dressing. I've got charades. I've got incredible self-deceptiveness to mm. convince myself I'm really interested in self. Sure, I go to church. I'm part of a religion, right? I, the Totemic Father means everything to me. I'm a, I'm a socialist. I'm a humanitarian. I think of others, not myself. We need world government. We need this. We need mandatory vaccinations. We need to keep the kids healthy. We never call tyranny tyranny. We never call evil evil. It's a, he's got a mental defect. He's got to have a microchip put in his brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, 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 he had bad parents. Well, he did. But the thing is, it's not going to be a microchip that fixes your contradicting. Even they contradict themselves. If you're telling me it's psychology, then it's not a loose wire in your brain neurologically, is it? Right. How come you can't, can't get your story right? Mm -hmm. So we are littered with these contradictions and it is a painstaking process, right? Of eliminating the untrue. That's apophatic deconstructive work. That's at a, a premium. And then you come upon the truth. As I said, don't just grab the solution, you know, like you grab, you know, a, a bag of Doritos, right? You go through the process and that's been sabotaged. All the different ways of education, the new age movement with its laws of, nonsensical you know laws of attraction mm -hmm. all of this mm -hmm. is to violate right it runs parallel there, there's good secrets there because it's run to succeed right it has to run parallel with the yeah. truth yeah it's yeah. mirroring yeah. it mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and for mm -hmm. that you give them a star <laughs> but it's really not authentic it's not really the authentic thing right because it's speaking to a social self which you already have to remove that mask to even really live this, you know, move on the Siddhartha road. And then the Siddhartha road leads the way. And those are personalistic idiosyncratic rules that don't pertain to anybody else. You can't, you can't share it. There's no cultism involved, right? Well, there's that, no, there's not even a priesthood involved. Mm -hmm. There's only you and your inhale, exhale, baby. Yeah. And, and you're stepping one, one hearing that foot, you know, hearing your own footsteps. And then finally the horizon, finally what's there tomorrow. Eh, so shall it be. I'm here now. I'm present. I don't care what the world is like tomorrow. The world can be. I give the world freedom to be whatever it wants to be tomorrow. But I also give myself the freedom to be exactly what I am right now. And that's the meditation. Not what other people say. Not what may or may not happen. You know, not, not if the, we fall off the edge of the world. You know, none of that. Right? It's, it's be here now. Yeah. And that is a very difficult thing. It's extremely easy, but at the same time, it's very difficult. Like the, the old maxim, you need to know a very great deal to know a very little, and you need to know a very little to know a very great amount. These are paradoxes. That's why the map of the world is insufficient. It doesn't help you along the road. People have made billions out of presenting you these A to Zs as if it will. Right? No. No. Mm -hmm. Right? A little animal, a little bird, right? A little beam of light can teach you infinite more. The sound of running water, being near the beach. You know this, yeah. right? The, the wind through the trees is the teacher. Forget what the human has to say. What mm -hmm. they say is a mm -hmm. statement about themselves. Mm -hmm. Blah, 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 this worked for me. Blah, 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 I do this. Right, I know, says Socrates. Have a nice day. I heard you, great. Yep. Right? That, that statement, that God, that belief, that tradition, those rites that you've done for a thousand years, right? And all of those things are idiosyncratic. Why are you trying to sell it on the street to me? It's not a bunch of bananas. Get out of my way. The whole essence of freedom is I make room for you and you make room for me. That's the moral law, right? And you give me room to find out, am I empty or am I full? But if you don't give me any room, I'll never know what I believe and what I am.
just crowding, just, just crowding and projecting and just disseminating all this information, all these perspectives and filling up, filling up the void. Just anything we can do to fill up the void with, which is not a void. Mm-hmm. Right. But we can't know what furniture we've got because everybody else has been piling in to move right on in. Right. 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 Uh, and now we're cluttered and this happens. So then comes along, you know, astrologically, whatever way you want to look at it. Yeah, yeah. Moments where there's a fallowness comes along, you know, and it can come from a myriad ways and it sweeps away, you know, the house, it just, it just burns it down and, and it leaves you fallow and then says, okay, what are you going to do now? And so the art, right, which the Tao, which the Zen and other, other groups understood nature that these moments come. We forgot that. So this is a kind of a moment like that. You get a bit of vertigo because the bus is you know, screeching around the, the bend and you go, ah, I'm, I'm two seconds from death. Yeah, but the mystic is always two seconds for death, from death and he has a relationship with death. Mm-hmm. The sage is just, take me anytime you want because I'm full. Wow. I don't have desires. You cannot gain enlightenment as long as there's a single thing you want. You cannot gain enlightenment or illumination if there's a single desire for anything. Yeah. So, so in essence, it really doesn't matter what the external, in this case, crisis is. It's just a reflection or it's, a, it's an interpretation of what's going on within the individual and how the individual responds or reacts to the perceived situation. And that's, and that's just, I keep taking it back to that. And, and we're kind of on the, the final leg of this conversation here. And there's still so much that I, I want to extrapolate here with you. I'm really fascinated with the astrological and the cosmological perspective. And one interesting thing to note that you were mentioning about this kind of clamoring to the external or describing the external, whether that's, that's all the different conspiratorial conversations, that's the political, et cetera, et cetera. It's easy to point at things. And even in this conversation, there was a period where I wanted to point with you to see where your finger was pointing to, because I wanted to describe some of those things that are particularly not news to me, but now are new explorations to me. You know, for example, a lot of this information coming out around the pedophilic and the human trafficking and sex trafficking and child trafficking. Like this is all this, I'm not making this up, obviously. Like this is, this is stuff that's rising up to the masses. These are things that have been going on maybe since the very beginning. Maybe this is what it's all been, been about underneath everything, you know, from the satanic ritual perspective. These things exist, right? This is becoming more of a conversation in my reality. So part of me wanted to like point to that, but ultimately I think your intuition and your wisdom has been guiding the conversation, not avoiding any of that, but guiding the conversation intuitively to um, not so much pointing at the problem or trying to over, over describe the external appearance of things, but pointing back to self-referential perspective. Like, how do we empower ourselves? How do we upgrade our psychology? How do we develop psychological immunity so we're not affected by, you know, what, and this is my own language. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just interpreting it. Right. Um, you know, essentially how do we empower ourselves? The mystic doesn't have a problem. Problems are for other people. The mystic does not have a problem. And he, 
will need to, if he's trying to meet people halfway and, and transmit that fact, yeah, he can do it in a multiplicity of different ways. Because he's, remember, Odin is in, in some sense also the uh, trickster, right? So the great sages are in one sense also tricksters. And that is, that's, a, that's a, a persona that they don because they have to uh, in, engage with people who are very, very estranged from the truth. You know, and so what happens there at that point is that you have to communicate with the person by sort of going back to basics, you know, taking them back to a place of grounding first, because if they're, if they're scattered, they can't hear you in the first place, right? And so there's a calming effect by being around sage-like people, you know, and, and, and the things that they do. And what they're trying to do is remind you of the sage within right? Uh, remind you of your own inherent hero heroism and strength, you know? And there's an old statement that goes, if you find yourself under attack from very powerful forces, it means that they're seeking you out because you're more powerful than them. Your enemy and, and the magnitude of that enemy is the mirror to who you are, right? And you just, that, that's a whole different, you know, component. When it comes to, um, What did you allude to there? Oh, yeah, the pedophilia. The question I have on that is that can never be stopped. So I don't think anything that's happening has to do with that. A lot of protestations are made, you know, for that script that's been written for the TV fiasco we've got mm -hmm. going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Never on this planet will ever that stop. Mm -hmm. It has not stopped since ancient times. You can go back to the bloody Canaanites, whoever, and it certainly won't make a dent of difference now, no matter how many priests, dirty old men that you arrest. This thing, you know, all of the different, uh, for people who know the bigger body of my work, mm -hmm. they know that a group called the Black Nobility, which includes a lot of the world's royalty, not all, but most, and includes the College of Cardinals and all of that. That group has been vampiristic, blood-sucking, and child-molesting mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. the year dot. And in fact, you know, as you well know, it, it, that's a kind of a, a satanic ritualistic thing that rules the world. And it's one of the things that the elite use to even seduce the lower henchmen, you see? So you're never going to get beyond that glass ceiling to stop it, which is abysmal to be able to say, but anyone who's really studied the subject, you know, will finally have to concede that fact. All, all that you'll have is a sort of a Je Jeffrey Epstein lower level debacle. That is it. It's not going to go any higher because it cannot go any higher. You know, a couple of dirty old men, yeah, okay, you know, they made it, so they were sacrificed, you know, because they all, already they're going to be sacrificed because they made it too obvious to the public what they were doing. So that's already breaching, you know, the code. Mm -hmm. There are already uh, people that will be penalized because they made it too obvious what they were up to. Mm -hmm. And so they'll suffer, you know, penalization from upstairs. So that is canceled because anything to do with that kind of thing is so quiet, right? That on no account would anything be happening in, in, the, in the governmental movement that would draw attention to it. Because one, that attention will not work. It'll only do a small cleanup. And secondly, that level of conspiracy has always benefited from absolutely keeping people in, in the not know, keeping them dull like sheep, right? So the conspiracy works in grades. So if you see any shuffling or hustling and bustling and loud histrionics and clashing of cymbals and banging of drums, that's going to be short-lived and will finally fade away because the greatest conspiratorial uh, devices, machinations of the truly Faustian and Machiavellian way have happened when we're asleep. That's their history. 
That's true conspiracy. And they'll never change that formula. They will never reinvent that wheel. They'll never want, so, so this can happen. It doesn't rule out a more of a histrionic thing happening you know, on, in, the, in, the, in the timeline. Certainly, we've had world wars, as I said, but still, even given the furore of it and you know, the spectacle of it, the extravaganzas that they often throw, the real conspiracy moves on like the, you know, Tolkien's fucking riders through this town, man. You don't even know they're there. Even when you're looking at one, you can't see it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, it's mm-hmm. too sophisticated. It's too quiet, right? It's got you mesmerized. Right? You even look at it and you see something you don't, you see angels where devils are, right? That's how powerful that shit is. Mm-hmm, and the kind of, mm-hmm. the kind of you know, the kind of uh, ability to see in the dark there, the world doesn't have. They're, they're completely... Yeah sacrosanct because the kind of wisdom that you'd need is so great that you have probably already come up against them in that pursuit and that have already taken you down Mm -hmm. right so that's cancelled when you really know the depth of it nothing that happens on the on the you know the sort of foreground of the picture so to speak has that much relevance even when it can be quite you know like good like you know hey the guy's actually telling you he's an insider he blew the whistle yeah but even with all of that it doesn't really make the dent you know, that it should further up because mm-hmm. the whole world system from the time of this, uh, you know, BC period has been set up so that it can't. They use that bloody pyramid, you know, for a reason. You ain't getting upstairs, mate. There's no gate crashing there no matter what you put together. Mm. You know, there's, there's no, uh, you know, getting past that ceiling that they put up no matter how many, you know, Uzis you got. It's just not possible. They got too many tiers and some of them are completely impossible. But that doesn't make you inactive and say that, no, well, then on the tier that I do exist, I'll bloody make change. All right. Well, that's what I'm talking about, heroism. But mm-hmm. at the same time, temper it by knowing, you know, uh, yeah, it still didn't make a dent. They pulled up the ladder. Mm-hmm. They can restructure the whole of the world's order, but they won't do it because incrementally it's taken so many billions and so much energy of their own people to get yep. to where we are now. They're going to preserve that status quo. You've got to think as they think. So all of this extravaganza right, and furore, that is temporary and will soon fold up because the greatest triumphs that they've ever got, the greatest victories that they can rack up to their name have been done with our complicity mm-hmm. or our, uh, you know, our, our ignorance of the matter. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Wow. But write it down. Take a hundred lines. The mystic has no problem. The mystic has no problem. Put that over your bed. People listening to us. Yeah. Yeah, and I think and I think that's a great way to temper this and to to kind of get into the conclusion here of this conversation. Um, and I know we hopped around a lot, and I definitely um, I feel like you know you mentioned something about scatteredness, and I don't know exactly how. And I'll just be really transparent in this moment, especially with this conversation, because I didn't have everything planned out. I knew that we were going to hop on and just kind of get into things as we have, and I appreciate your level of clarity. Because a lot of these concepts, I've been swimming in the the swimming pool. I've been swimming through the fish tank, moving through some of this. So I don't know if any of my communication has been a little un, uh, little unfocused or scattered. But I definitely kind of leaned on you, and that's why I had you come on to kind of recapitulate and refocus some of these ideas that I've been trying to kind of like, you know, trying to structure. So I could see clearly, and one of the things you just mentioned now is, is in support of that, which is, you know, what can you do? Like once you have all this information and all these different perspectives, 
what is my work to do ultimately? That's what, and that's what I want to maybe encourage all of us to find in this conversation. What is my work to do? And I think that's the conversation we should have been having before this. And certainly the conversation we should be having now, which is with all this distraction going on and abstraction going on, what is my work to do? Well, nobody can tell another what that is. For me, it's right. do nothing. For me, it's just do wow. nothing. Yeah. Remain stoical. See, everybody's doing too much. That's the whole point I'm making. Got it. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, when I said that thing about mystics not having a problem, do not translate that as if now he's a psychopath who, who couldn't care. You know, because psychopaths have no problem. You know, we, we've done programs on sage and psychopath where we've shown the connections. But I just want to make that one point. That does not give people then the idea that a mystic is utterly uh, careless of his environment, mm, mm, right? Mm -hmm. He's still very much part of the Mitwell. He certainly has a, a responsibility to that Mitwell. So I just, you know, I heard how people might be hearing that and say, oh, well then good. Yeah, that, that's good for me because I can get along, you know, I'll still keep on watching my soaps. You know, I don't have a problem either. That's not what I mean. This is a very, uh, it's a very deep empathic state actually. But you know, we'll have to, that, that's a hard thing to, to prove. But again, just let the thought sit in and contemplate it oneself without a lot of noise from Michael and, and everybody else. The mystic has no problem, right? That is a very, very high level of empathic understanding, which is also runs parallel with a kind of deep stoicism and deep detachment. So it's a meditation and, and, and you know, it will take time for that to sink yeah. in. But the doing can also be the Alice in Wonderless kitchen. They're all doing throwing around the salt and the pepper, screaming at each other, <laughs> banging the plates. How do you think the meal's going to come out? That's done by doing. There's a moment in life also socially, you know, because the Saturn and the Aquarius could be, uh, could be uh, that. There's different other, um, you know, astrolo astrological phenomena that can definitely indicate that. Uh, 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 retrograde could indicate that. But in general, I think that the doing is too much. We're overdoers in this moment. And so there's a new meditation, which is, you know, like, like Bruce Lee once said, I prepare every morning like a student at his first class. I prepare a blank mind for the day to write upon. If only, 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 right, we would be guided by that, right, and come back into deep presence, deep relationship with our own pain, as we've discussed, mm. Uh, mm. in which you let it be a guide and a tutor, mm -hmm. where you do learn from the falling leaf, right? And you become very phenomenologically present. That's kind of a grounding that is needed, you know? And in that, what happens is when I say that the mystic has no problem, it's because he is so fortified in himself. He is so grounded in himself and he can call on his daemons and his angels to take the problem from him, to contextualize it, right? He, he's in touch with the core of the earth. So he has no problem because how could a man of that great strength have a problem? Mm -hmm. He can mm -hmm. be in a dungeon for 18 years, strapped to a wall. He still has no problem, mm. right? Read Byron's Prisoner of Xion, right? The poem. Mm -hmm. There's a different uh, transcendental letting go, which involves not having the problem, which is a mystical process. It's not a psychopath going, well, sure, I've never had a problem because I don't give a fuck about anybody else. I have no care anyway. Let it all happen. I'm all right, Jack. That's not what I mean. Yep. There's millions of people like that. Right? In fact, many could argue that our whole, psycho you know, our whole so society has psychopathic traits. Well, yep. these leftists you've been talking about, the loony left, you're getting warm there, all right. Kerry mm -hmm. Bolton calls them the psychotic left, and he's totally right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. this kind of comportment that I'm talking about is born in deep fortitude. It's granite, 
because you know you're standing there with some heavy duty power that you've awakened you know and, and that is uh, that you're working with and in that in that you know it's like a bird on a tree with a tiny little grain in its mouth and it drops and it falls into the ocean right yeah the mystic has no problem because he doesn't see himself right as a drop in that ocean he sees the reverse that he's an ocean in a drop and he, his daily meditation is then to become completely aware of that then he's got his function and his role in the mitwelt right because yeah. we're eigenwelt self umwelt nature mitwelt society mm. mitwelt being with others yep. and in the with world amid sign right yep. in my in my duty towards other people yeah i've i've acknowledged that and so i'm i'm this person for a while and i develop these skills for a while but my hold upon them is extremely light mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. yeah um, i can drop it at any time yeah and i yeah. can and, and by dropping it i return right to the still point mm -hmm. and the person who is in touch with that still point you see cannot be wavered it doesn't mean that bad things don't happen to him like i said they could, they could end up boiling you in fucking oil but they haven't really taken away your essence you know, uh, and you, you're processing your shadow, right? Because the body is very much a part of this process as well, right? Because it's, it's one of the things that you're learning from, not just the falling leaf and the beautiful sound of the water. That's all important. But the sound in here, right? There's a sound in here, a voice, an intelligible voice within your own being. Mm -hmm. Speaking to you on a daily basis and offering you that power, not just the muscular power of physical strength, but energetic bioenergetic strength that the martial artist is working with the chi or the key you know the prana uh the bioenergy whatever way it yeah. works for you to understand spiritus yeah. as a matter of fact so the language besides mm. there is a deeper mm. intelligence and we're not connected to that and that's what our big brother knows as i've been yes, saying yes, for yes, years yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. fact that yeah. they know how weak we are how yeah. ungrounded we are yep. right how little we know about our bio psyche Mm -hmm. The more they can discombobble, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. they can pull, they can pull the thread and all the beads just run around the table. Yep. But the person who's got it right. And who stays within the center and cultivates that and is aware of what his inner voice is saying. Yeah. You see his, his somatic intelligence is awakened. That person is very far from somebody who can be messed with on that level. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's a brilliant point. And, um, Man, I am just we could I could go on another hour or two with you easily, especially now it's opened up a whole new set of of Pandora's box into human potential, really, because like ultimately this whole this whole's and, and when I say this situation, I don't mean this literal situation. I mean this situation, like the big that that's been unending since the beginning, whether it's the Titanic or before that, since the inception of our our country, world history, uh, Operation Paperclip, um, which you kind of alluded to, right? The whole idea that this is, you know, secret forces or secret agents from different governments shifted over to ours that infiltrated and I'll let people do their own research. But the point of the matter is um, we've had controlled opposition to our human potential from day one. And I think there's actually a necessity there from a, from a, maybe a cosmological or a spiritual perspective, maybe a God's eye view perspective, because the humans in the ant farm, we can't see, the caterpillar can't envision what the butterfly sees. But if we can get that higher vantage point in perspective, maybe we can see the implicate perfection within the, the, within the conspiracy, within the drama, within the friction 
So when we're experiencing the dynamic tension or the dynamic instability, we don't freak out. We don't jump on these, these, um, you know, these rabbit hole perspectives that are going doom and gloom or black and white. We actually have a balanced perspective and can see kind of like, hey, you know, there's, there's post-traumatic stress, but there's also post-traumatic growth right? How do you create a diamond? How do we actually, my, my experience has been, yeah, I can self voluntarily put myself through resistance and I'm going to grow just like I work out. But it does seem like in life, the times that I've grown the most and evolved the most is when my back was up against the wall, when I had to figure the damn thing out, when my plan wasn't working anymore and it was breaking down and I had to figure out a new plan on the spot. Those seem to be the times where I've grown the most and apparently spirituality is all about growth, right? It's not about convenience. It's not about just sitting and meditating all day long um, and just being comfortable and convenient. Everyone keeps telling me that the point of spirituality is about growth and evolution. So maybe there is a point to all of this beyond my own um, my own personal preference well you see there's always by being a human being we have empathy right and empathy does reach out naturally it's called intentionality in philosophy it's slightly different than the word we mean because when we say intention we mean it's a very conscious thing intentionality is just the just body language tone of voice eye contact it's the normal leaning out toward other people but existentially what has happened is we have taken refuge in it to escape the voice of the self, right? This is the equation. And as I said, since it's a contract we make with ourselves, we then forget about it and forget we forgot about it. Total dissociation. So when people like myself mention this time and time again, I know that it'll take many years for people to even get even the first toehold in what, you know, even those who say, I, I got it. I, I, I'm not stupid. I got it. I got it. I got it. No, you fucking haven't. And I know that. So you have to reiterate. Right. So I just keep it harping, drip feed, drip feed until, you know, and times like this actually assist in which people start to realize, like I said, that which was, you know, screamed from the back of the pack now moves up a bit and people get to grips with these simple truths. You see, and simple U turns in your own personal life, you know, reorientating back to what you really believe, a bit of centroversion, a bit of introversion, you know, uh, can really make large scale differences in your perspectives you know, in how you work with other people, how you let them intrude into your ex existence, right? Um, how you call a spade a spade and even in, in career, it will definitely, you know, affect you on multiple levels uh, and, and all for the good. So what you've got to do is realize that you are in a living environment. Your world, your cosmos is living. It has your best interests at heart. It never throws you challenges that you cannot overcome. Mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and that you have now to, to get into a different relationship with that mm. right mm. there is difficulty doing that there's millions of escapes like running to the guru's feet following the bloody path or you know and all that nonsense but there is other there are other ways because in all encounters with those people you are still part of that encounter the selfie has been taken from as you say the god eye point of view mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right but what we have forgotten in the west is to that level of self-reference and then unfortunately when we have it it's mostly a narcissistic one look at me you know and all it all went wrong mm -hmm. you know there's plenty of self-referencing but it's of the yeah. persona it's of the social persona it's exhibitionism it's i'm the guru or i'm the i'm, I'm next to the guru and all this nonsense yeah right yeah. or it's a service to, i don't think of myself i think of 
the, the public and the good and all. So it's gone wrong because it's not the true self, right? The emotional plague has got in between that. And you're, you're trying to embolden and window dress this corpse. Mm. That's what corporation means a dead thing. And we operate in the world as dead things, not as living vital things. Yeah. You know, and as you're, you're quite right, you know, uh, there's more to expound upon this. We do it in the yeah. podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll have to have you on real soon. As a matter of fact, uh, let's, if you're, let's do it open to that yeah, slave, we could go over these matters. Cause I've absolutely, this is the kind of thing I really actually prefer to talk about. I know you talk about the, some of the unstructuredness of it, but see, I actually prefer this because my okay. other work is so structured. Yeah. So yeah. structured what we do on unslaved and that's great. And has to be because we're doing top drawer stuff there, but you know, this is actually my favorite kind of, uh, uh, mm. you know, my, mm. my preferred, you know, uh, way of doing things actually, but we'll definitely have to have you on Ronnie. So much. Thank you for this as well, this opportunity. Oh, I mean, my pleasure. I mean, just total honor and gratitude for you. And, and as you know, you know, before we first started connecting a while back and started doing those interviews and, um, I had, I had really gone deep into your work. Um, I was going through a lot of that underworld and, um, you know, contending with, yeah, just contending with um, spiritual matters that weren't well explained to me or weren't, I wasn't really well prepared for, or at least maybe I had a sense of, but I didn't have a roadmap. I didn't have a manual to go through those depressive, um, you know, uh, existential crisis points. And I think a lot of people are going through that and particularly the millennial generation, which is a topic in of itself. And, and I think your work really serves to put pieces together and give a language to experiences and phenomena that has been either politicized, it's been shoved under the rug, it's, uh, it's been given some kind of maybe new age spin on it, which can be helpful temporarily to give you some kind of reprieve, like, Oh, okay. Like there's, there's something beyond the veil. Thank God, because I thought I was going crazy. So at least there's something there. But then when the person wants to go deeper, there's not a lot there other than like, you know, just be, be here now, be present, be here now. It's like, well, fuck man. I'm, I'm like, I'm here and right here feels a lot like hell and I'm trying to get over there and they're telling me heaven's over there. And, you know, so we have these weird kind of um, ideas that we're trying to break apart to get to the truth and when i say the truth i mean practical like what can i do with this thing to actually make my life better and i think your work has really been one of the foundations and the hallmarks of that in psych in the world of psychology in the world of philosophy in the world of the truth movement making truth practical and, and the last thing i want to say and i didn't bring this up before but one thing i, I think this is appropriate to mention is that your work is a very interesting, it's like you're, you're doing the subtle art of communicating truth without spreading fear. That, that came up for me yesterday and I, I, um, I, I had meant to actually make that a theme, but I think I just wanna communicate that before we close out. Um, there's a subtle art to communicating truth without spreading fear, right? Because most of the truth, like whether it's the Alex Jones variety or the David Icke variety, and it's all good. However, there's a carrier wave, there's a vibration that gets carried, particularly through Alex Jones. I mean, you know, that's just his, you know, when you look at a character like that, you also have to take into account the physiology and the, the, the body mechanics and the health and, and those things. Have we put that together? Maybe not. Um, 
you know, a holistic perspective. I think you better than most, if not anyone, are able to communicate clearly truth without spreading the fear virus. It's almost like when I hear you, I'm hearing, I, I've heard very uncomfortable truths, but I felt comforted by the truth, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not popular, you know, because again of that quick fix thing. Yeah. I don't have any solutions like that. I don't have quick fixes. They're all something that will take a lifetime. It's like my lifetime has gone into studying these things. And I've had to be reconciled to the fact that it is a very slow process. Even one of these things that we're looking at is itself pretty much a lifetime of persistent, consistent study, right? And rumination. And I've had to, you know, commit to that and make sure that those distractions were minimized to, mm. to get what I have to say, you know, and, and all of that. So yeah, it's not a quick fix. It's not a spinner rack. You know, it's constant polishing. It's constant putting it down again, walking, stepping back, walking around it, you know, rejecting it, you see, and, and I'm used to that process. Now I'm used to what it takes to mm -hmm. have this mm -hmm. apophatic approach. Mm -hmm. uh, not screaming through any megaphones or bashing any tables, you know, right. Right. Uh, it's a discussion. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> you know, uh, it's a discussion, Yeah. you know, uh, in which everything I know could be wrong, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's also very frightening. So there is a fear, but it's a healthy fear. It's a white fear. It's, it's, you know, a, a fear in which it's also can release you. Because if you're holding the reins very lightly, you know, uh, but, but you have a great deal of passion, you leave, you leave the door open for the other voice to come through because there's nothing that you're iterating, right, that the other person doesn't ultimately know or intuit inside. Yeah. And so what you're really doing is midwifing the truth forth, right? It, it doesn't have your signature on it. There's, there's definitely a mixture uh, of one's yeah. own consciousness and one's own thought, yeah. but we stand on the shoulders of giants. Yeah, totally. See? you know, and my God, that'll humble you, you know, and that's why I love delving into the works of great giants. I, I love it. And I will never stop doing it. A lot of my books are dedicated to the great men and women, you see, who, who inspired me. So yeah, there's that mixture of my own thought and quite a lot of it. But the thing is that we, I would never have got there, would I, if I hadn't dedicated the time. And because I really love this work and I'm passionate about it, I'll give those other writers and give those other thinkers the, the, the time that they deserve. Right? I won't just leaf through it pick out some parts because you know mm -hmm. this makes me look mm -hmm. good mm -hmm. you know which is a lot of, a lot of people are doing mm -hmm. it will be far more uh empathic far more sincere and mm -hmm. i think people you know the the people we have as members and everything yeah and through the years they are the sincere ones and they love what they're mm -hmm. getting so mm -hmm. it, it, but but it never ceases being an adventure to me you know it never ceases being something that uh you know I, i'm always in a learning learning process with because there is so much to learn you know but never learn it in a way that is coming from uh you know uh, a feeling of lack right a feeling of disrespect irreverence or fear mm. that, that 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 will lead you nowhere that will lead you to psychosis most of the people i've known in my life who i would have said accompanied me on this road so to speak have, have gone off the off the edge I watched them melt down yeah. year after yeah. year after year yeah. after year. Yeah. They start as one thing and they end up something completely different, right? Yep. 
Yep. I, I've uh, seen that just in the, the, the like, I've seen that just in the, the food world, the nutrition diet world, because you're dealing with ideologies and ideology can become somebody's identity very quickly. Uh, not a, you know, that's the whole thing in of itself, but I've seen, I've seen that same, same thing play out. So I can only imagine in, in your world and the swimming pool, you've been swimming in all these years, how much more intense that can get. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I would say I've known about at least seven full-blown psychopaths. Can you believe that? That's not an exaggeration. Yeah. And since they now know that there's semi-psychopaths out there and then quarter versions, it's actually larger the numbers than we've been told before. It's actually quite a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and so you run into them. So I've run into that and I've run into, you know, people who flaked, who couldn't handle it. And, and that was, that's the story of my life, actually, you know, so. Yeah. But I've, I've yeah. persisted and continued because I locked myself onto that history elephant you know that all the solutions are there all the thoughts have been thought already all the solutions have been given and it's our job to act as kind of um librarians or Mm -hmm. custodians you know yeah like preserving it laying it out in the museum and uh, and having it available that's all i do i'm creating a museum of displays so people walk in you know and say okay my god look at this you know and they they they're now People they never have heard. See, our society's made it that you cannot hear of most of these people. But with the benefit of social media and the internet, we've gone for it. We've gone for it to a very, very, very elaborate, preconceived, methodical, you know. And my, my work shines with that. People can see it's sincere. And, and that's all I ask is they do. And then it might inspire them to, to carry it on, you know. Mm. Yeah, I mean, beautifully, beautifully expressed and shared. And yeah, I mean... What can I say? Well, what I, what I will say as we conclude is that um, if, if you, for all of you listening, if you're not aware, Michael co-hosts an incredible podcast, which I got to be a guest on a while back. And um, yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to, to come back on with you and really go any direction we want to go. But um, it's called The Unslaved Show, The Unslaved Podcast Show. Um, please let us know where to where to go for that i think it's unslaved.com right yeah, yeah unslaved.com my blog is on there okay right and it links links to other things we have a premium section uh my computer computer blew up i've, I've filmed the finish of, of an idealism series that i'm doing it's all complete and filmed and everything it's just not edited yet because computer went down and a catastrophism a fantastic uh, program i've got for the premium members coming and more during the year mm-hmm. Uh, and then we got our weekly podcast, me and David. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just come over there and you know, you'll, you'll see some amazing stuff that we're doing. Again, it's top drawer stuff, so it's not for everyone. Yeah, it, it is. It's long form, which I appreciate just kind of like this is organically, but like you said, like all your stuff is very structured. It's very methodical. It's not rigid. It's just like, it's very structured and very clearly intended on topics that require a lot of, a lot of extrapolation. Um, an excavation, which again is why I really appreciate you. I feel like you're an archaeologist of history, an archaeologist of, of rethinking reality, and uh, that's something I just greatly appreciate you for. And uh, just thank Thanks, you man. so much for taking the time to for caring for the time to be here with all of us today. Well, I've loved this conversation, uh, and again, it, it spar- inspires me. You know, it gets things clarified, gets it a little bit more embossed. Mm. you know uh, so that you can stay relevant it is important to stay relevant with what's going on but it's also important to stay like you said in the larger picture of why you exist what you're doing here you know you should never lose sight of that because then then the forces of uh 
you know, evil in the world, yeah, they'll they'll win. They'll they'll have complete dominance over your psyche. But Ronnie, mate, thanks a lot. We'll do it again. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Michael, and thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in once again. And uh, make what you will with this information. Hopefully, make it part of your life and be practical. Be centered. Be grounded. Focus on your immediate reality during these times and all times. And the world out there is going to be the world out there. But one thing you can't control is the world in there. And I think that's the point of all this. So much love and aloha to everybody. And uh, we're in this together. We're going to move through this. And I do believe, just as a final note, I do believe what we're moving into is a better world full of more opportunity and more freedom than ever. Don't know how we're going to get there. Don't know what's going to happen. But I do think that that is the ultimate conclusion of all this. We'll see if we're right. Anyways, much love, everyone. Take care.